Hey everyone, and welcome to Comics from the Multiverse, DC Comics podcast from Mailed Fuzz TV. I am Peter, and I am joined as always by Matt. Hey, what's up? And Connor's back after his one-week absence. I am. I've returned. Yeah. He had to take a week off to recuperate. He found out he was going to have to read some Red Hood in the coming weeks, and he had to just take a week off to, to you know, be in bed, have some soup. No, no, Connor, did you get the Trinity Annual physically, or did you read it on a tablet? Uh, I'd read it on my tablet. If it Wait, was, you have to the, the, you the, have the only... tablet now? <laughs> That's a tease. It, it, it may need some little repairs. Gotcha. <laughs> it's going to just pick it up and it's going to be in like three pieces. <laughs> perfectly split into a trinity of parts. Be... <laughs> uh, so yeah, we talk about uh, DC Comics. And it is a week five. And week fives, of course, are quieter weeks for books because mm-hmm. obviously comics schedule for four weeks a month. But every so often we have a fifth Wednesday and that usually means a couple of annuals. But otherwise it's quieter. And because of that, on top of the regular books that we're doing this week, which include the Teen Titans annual, the Lazarus Contract Special number one, the Flash number 23, we also have Wonder Woman annual number one and the Trinity annual number one. So on top of those, we're also starting a new thing on week fives. We used to have random discussions about things and play games. Now, of course, we have a, a vote on Patreon to read a trade paperback or a story art from the past. Uh, and this month, the winner of that vote was the Judas Contract, which is a Teen Titans story arc, which consists of four issues uh, from the 80s. Pretty big seminal story that, that influenced a lot of stuff. You know, Dick Grayson became Nightwing. We got the backstory of Deathstroke, who at the time was referred to as the Terminator more often than not. Which Yeah, it was weird reading. It was. 1984, uh, yeah. right? Uh, obviously, that's why they eventually changed it. They said, "No, I just stick yeah. to Deathstroke because everyone yeah. thinks of something else." Yeah. But uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about that. That's going to come up at the end of the show. Uh, we all read it. I think we all read it for the first time. None of us had read it before, had we? Yeah, and it was nothing that I thought it was because I had I came up reading Wizard. I don't know if you guys read Wizard. Nah. And every so often, yeah. So every so often they do like these lists of like shocking, you know, things that happened in comics or you know, character turns you didn't see coming. In just about every single one of these lists, the story was mentioned. Mm. So I had a completely different how it went down in my brain. So mm. uh, reading through it for the first time. What's funny is me and Connor reviewed the animated movie they, they based mm-hmm. on this uh, a few months ago. And it was kind of funny reading it and like seeing, you know, what they'd taken for. The, the overall plot's the same, but they obviously swapped mm-hmm. some things out. Cyborg's not in the movie, but he's in this. But he doesn't really, he's just kind of there in this. He's not got like a, it, but it was just. Mm. Yeah. That's his character in a nutshell. He's just kind of there. He's the telephone <laughs> pole. It, yeah. But not in this. He's not a telephone pole in this. In this, he's, yeah. uh, he's, he's a bench he's, presser. <laughs> he's a bench yeah. presser. <laughs> yeah. oh, one note. Yeah. Oh dear. Uh, so yeah, it's coming up. Again. Let's not waste all the conversation before we even talk about the other yeah. books. Uh, so that's what's coming up. Um, did we have a have a nice week? I will say my week was a little bit better because uh, the heat wave that was hitting last week finally yes. subsided, heat and wave. it was nice and cool. Relatively speaking, this week I was you know a bit of rain. Nice. It was thunder earlier. It was great. See, I'm jealous Ooh. because I had a couple of days of cooler, but then it's been boiling again and i mean oh. look at me i'm a pale ginger i burn easy i've, I've been scared to go outside <laughs> we're, we're having a cold snap here it's... oh i see what you did there yeah. but no joke it's, it's not even 90 degrees yet so that's good hmm. it's 
Uh, that's, that's the thing. Uh, we've had, we've had a quieter TV schedule actually this past week. All, all the CW shows finished, so we've, we've been a yeah. little bit quieter in that sense, giving us some time for movies and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and then and then we had like the surprise Back or Soul not being on, so that lined up even more. Off, yeah, it was. Yeah, we good. actually had a night off for once. Yeah, because um, I, I I because we usually do that earlier earlier on in the Tuesday, and I, I had a funeral to go to, so we had to push it. And then I came home and found out that oh, it's not it wasn't even on. Oh, great, night off. What wasn't on? Uh, Better Call Saul. It was off for oh, Memorial Day. Gotcha. I gotta get caught up on that. Oh, it's really good as well. You yeah. should. No, oh, of course it is. It's... Yeah, Vince Gilligan doing his thing. Um, yeah. But no, uh, so let's, let's talk about uh, comics and stuff. Uh, that's what mm-hmm. we're here for. So, uh, yeah, so DC Comics. Oh, actually, before we move on. The Wonder Woman movie did come out. Uh, I feel like it's weird not to mention this at the start of the show. <laughs> Big thing. Yeah. Um... Our review of it is getting done tomorrow. It's going to go up tomorrow. Uh, it'll be on YouTube, 1.21 gigawatts. Uh, we're also going to have an audio version, which will, will go on the Comics from the Multiverse podcast feed for anyone who wants to listen to an audio of it. Uh, but we're not going to talk about it on this. We're just going to... You know, it's, it's coming. You can get that tomorrow. It'll likely be a long discussion. It's coming tomorrow. So look forward to it. But yeah, it's I will say this. It was a movie. <laughs> it... <laughs> That is correct. It was a, it was indeed a motion picture. Out of all the DC cinematic movies I've seen, it was one of them. I told Matt not to give anything away, and he's overdoing it a little bit. <laughs> 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 all right, comics. Starting with Teen Titans Annual, the Lazarus Contract Special Issue One. I really hate that title. Why don't you just just call it Teen Titans Annual Number One? And just... I mean, you say that, but. There isn't even the the word annual isn't even on the cover. It's just Teen Titans Special, the Lazarus contract. Just call it the mm. annual number one and say it's part four of the thing. God damn it! Yeah, you're, we're calling it the annual, but they're not. It was originally. Did it, the it, it, it was originally, yeah. Yeah, um, it's not in the cover. Admittedly, that is correct. Um, Dan Amnett, Benjamin Percy, Christopher Priest, uh, all involved in writing. Although I believe uh, Priest was the one who actually wrote the script, but they were all involved in the uh, the plotting. Yeah, they're all, yeah, you can tell it's Priest's script. Yeah, instantly. Mm-hmm. This is almost a Deathstroke annual. Yeah, and uh, it might as well be. Uh, Paul Pelletier on a uh, on the art. So, I'm I'm gonna be blunt. This was this was kind of rough. Not that great. Yeah, I'll agree. I. But... I like what it did in terms of where it left us going forward. Mm. But I think the issue, and to an extent, the story as a whole has kind of been a nothing thing. Like, it's just been, as an event in terms of, oh, this is where it leaves us, this is where we go forward from here, I think it's been really interesting in what it's done. But as a story in itself, I I didn't need it. Uh, it, Honestly, for me, this, I mean, arguably this is, the whole thing so far but I think most of the complaints I'm going to have kind of came to a head because this was the final part that sort of quote unquote brought everything together except I don't really think all the parts were already there to bring together <laughs> and it just yeah, kind of mo- most of the story kind of happens in this issue it, it does mm-hmm. and it just kind of and some of the concepts they bring up uh, just feel like they come out of nowhere and I can't for the life of me understand why when they you know resuscitate original Wally like in the past why New Wally gets his powers back at that moment? I have no idea. Do we, oh, do, timey wimey. Okay, I just... But why? Why? Why are they even related? The New Wally's powers get taken from Slade, which already happened. He goes back in time. Damien and the team go back in time. Damien does a thing to Wally you know, to. 
I really would have liked Wally not having powers now because of Damien. Hmm. It really would build because we have we have Kid Wally, and we have Barry, and it would have been interesting to see Wally West be able to live a normal life for the first time in well, forever. I mean- I do think kind of that's ultimately what we have. He he has the powers still, but he can't really he, use them. Yeah, no, but that's I, like cable. Like that that sucks. Well, let, 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 let's explain what it is then for people who haven't read it. It's basically Wally has a pacemaker now because of what Damien did in the past to his heart. He had to get a pacemaker installed. So now, if he uses his powers too much, it will kill him. Yeah, so it's very yeah. much a case of: is this situation? Do I need to use my powers here? Yeah. I think that that I think that's interesting. Personally. Honestly, I, I I'm not that bothered with where. It's, I know some people aren't that pleased with it. I'm not that fussed about where it leaves them up because it gives them something interesting. I know it's not going to last, but they're going to fix it eventually. Sure, yeah. of course. That, that's comics, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and for a while, it gives them a new status quo. It gives them sort of a, a new penalty to his powers. It makes them a little bit neutered uh, and gives them a new obstacle to overcome. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. When does he pick and choose to use them? What does he judge as? No, this is a must use my powers situation. My my problem more with it is it just kind of feels rushed how it happens, and then it, oh, yeah. it, it felt even more rushed when we got these like three epilogues at the end, kind of like setting up yeah. all these things, and it was like this really needed another couple of issues. It needed to be more fleshed out. I feel like some of the ideas just kind of get thrown at the wall in this last issue, and because of it, like the whole thing with um all the Teen Titans like, get into Wally's head to give him the strength to return from the Speed Force kind of thing. Like, all, that, that just gets thrown out there all of a sudden. I'm like, okay, I, I guess that's a thing. Yeah. Nothing felt like it was... Uh, I wanted it to feel grounded. And when I say grounded, I don't mean grounded in real life because we're talking about comic books and Speed Force and things. Mm-hmm. But it should feel grounded in the sense that the story has laid the groundwork for what's going to happen. And yeah. it, I never felt like it did. I, it felt like it was just like, oh, Deus Ex Machina here, Deus Ex Machina there. No, and, and that's the thing, as much as we're criticising this issue, that's just, it's a fault of this issue because it wasn't anywhere yeah. else in the story. Yeah, yeah. It kind of retroactively makes you look at the whole four-part thing and go, they didn't set this up properly throughout. Um, yeah. So when, when I well, talk... Well, they had an easy out for that with Omen because they've teased mm. the relationship with those two. And if anybody could make a connection through Raven... Right mm. to to Wally, and plus he had said they were all his lightning rods, right? In at the end of the Cadabra arc, yeah, yeah, that's Titan, yeah, that's right? You know, so right there, you don't need everybody. He could have used Omen and Raven, and we wouldn't have to get this convoluted. You know, everyone's kind of riding around. It was just kind of weird. It was one of these things. It's, yeah. it's one of the things that it kind of bugs me about some of Grant Morrison stuff sometimes, where he'll throw out these weird big ideas. Just and they'll, yeah. they'll just come out of nowhere, and you'll just sort of expect you to accept them. Um, yeah. And arguably, it really felt like we want to go. Yeah, teamwork. That's how you win. Uh, yeah. But they didn't really think about how they're going to do it. Yeah. yeah, and it felt kind of just kind of hodgepodged for me. And again, the styles of like pre-writing a Deathstroke issue mixed in with the other stuff, kind of like that last issue, I felt jarring to me. Actually, that that part worked fine for me. When I, when I you know I opened it up and you get the the priest death strokes uh, caption boxes oh, of the, yeah. the the set in the time I was like, oh, okay, this is a priest issue. And once I got into that 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 in terms of the dialogue, that I was I was down for that. I mean, on its own, it's fine. But then then it jumped to a Teen Titans kind of issue with the team members and all that kind of mm. stuff. Like it was kind of jarring to me because it, it, I said this about the last issue as well. It kind of flipping between them felt kind of weird to me. Right. Okay. I feel like it didn't I, I mean, jive. 
I don't think I had that problem. For me, it was more, you know, the, the idea. I think it's interesting for me to see these other sets of characters in the style of this other book. So to me, that wasn't a problem. Mm, okay. Um, uh, of course, Damien's a little shit in this one. Uh, and for the most part, I was okay with how he acted. Yeah, it's, uh, it's on point. For Damien. So, so, so yes, yeah, so I've, like, I've, I've noticed some folk aren't uh, think he goes a bit too far, and, and admittedly, yeah, maybe the whole thing with Wally is a, is a bit of a step over the line. Honestly, uh, I think that stuff is okay for me. I, I get Damien just going, "No, this is what needs to be done." But, but the uh, one that was a little bit too far for me was when he just forgot Aqualad. Yeah, that was a bit weird. But here's the, here's the reason why the thing with Wally doesn't work for me. It's not so much that he does it to Wally. If that's what's going to solve the problem, I buy that he does it. My problem is that I don't understand how it solves the problem. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that's a different concern altogether. Yeah, I, I don't get why that works. Like, what? Wh- why does why does this Wally not having his powers have anything to do with new Wally eventually one day getting his powers? They're completely unrelated. Unless there's something we don't know yet. Sure, yeah. but uh, in that case, it's just kind of it's yeah, an no, own it problem. Yeah, that, that's it. I, I have a problem with it from a, a general story perspective like that. But as a from Damien's uh, motivations, I have no problem with that. I actually, probably my favourite panel of the whole issue is actually when they go back in time and they meet their the younger Titans, and Damien just walks up and goes, "Hey, yes, that's all. Yeah, hello. Uh, sure, we'll help. Like, just his like, yeah, we're here to save the day. Like, that made me chuckle. But yeah, it's the way it's the way he pushes Dick out of the way as yeah. well. It's like, no, I've got this. Yeah. It, also, when he taps Raven on the head and goes, "There, there." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, Damien may be the best part of this issue. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree that he is. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't get what people are, what are people actually complain about. They're saying, oh, he's he's a bit it, of a dick. It's like, yeah, well, well, yeah. yeah. I, I think the general uh, complaint that I've seen is that he's softened a bit more since his earlier days, and he's maybe been too dickish in this one compared to what he's been recently. Yeah, but he's they set the stakes that if Deathstroke is allowed to keep the Speed Force powers, it's mm. basically the end of the world. Yeah, because it's he's, the world's best killer with super speed. Like he's legit. under he's under pressure. He's like, no, this is his uh-huh. first big moment as a as a team leader, hmm. and, and he's, you know, he's, he's overdoing it by his big brother, and he's gonna act out. Yeah, you know, anyone that's the older sibling knows that when you get your younger sibling around their group of their friends, they're not they don't act the same. No, they don't. Right? They have to try to that's, play up. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So that that's how I read Damien in. Even though that we just got a really good story of him kind of softening a Nightwing, that was really only between him and him and Nightwing. Yeah, it's not when he's around all his own friends. Yeah, he's supposed exactly. to be the leader to them, yeah. Yeah, um, and that's fine. I think I think part of the problem though, again, is just that everything's so kind of rushed that it does kind of feel like it yeah. comes out of nowhere. You don't really, it doesn't really feel like the stakes get set high enough before he does it to justify the fact that he makes that choice. Yeah, no, feel, that's definitely a fair yeah. complaint. It's it feels the story like, in a nutshell, is that yeah. everything is kind of rushed. Because it's the same at the end. When, when Deathstroke reds. says he quits at the end, right, and he walks, I quit being yeah. Deathstroke, and he walks away, I'm like, okay, I knew it was kind of going that route because we knew it was kind of coming next, yeah. but I'm like, and okay, you've said that, oh, he was in the Speed Force, he saw so much that it's made him like turn over, and I'm like, but it, that, was, that was like a page where you just told me, oh, he's in the Speed Force, and he's seeing like all of reality. And yeah. that makes them decide. But, uh, that's the thing. I think this issue is, in a way, my favorite of the story because it does all the story beats. Mm. So I get what the story is. And, you know, the, the thing with Wally aside being confusing, I like most of the ideas. My my problem then becomes with the other three issues going, why didn't that lead to this properly? 
what what were they doing wasting time? Yeah, I think I think the the crossover as a whole just feels kind of mish mishmangled in that sense. It doesn't feel like yeah. it doesn't feel like it was paced out properly. It feels like some of the wrong things got got time to breathe. Uh, if anything got time to breathe, which honestly is debatable. Um, yeah. And honestly, the idea that Slade sees all of reality and then that makes him decide not to be Deathstroke. That's actually not a bad idea. I kind of agree that the core idea there's fine, but I just I don't buy it because it's like a page of just saying, "Oh, he's seen everything in the Speed Force." I, I, and... I agree. My one saving grace for that is Priest's going to cover that in his own next yeah. issue. With a bit I of assume, luck, sure. But and honestly, I'll enjoy it there. I actually feel like a whole issue could have been inside the Speed Force with Slade, like witnessing things. Like what? What does he see? What is the journey in there? It would have been cool yeah. to see all the stuff that led to this. Because this again, the story came from out of nowhere. Like we ended Deathstroke with that wedding that we never got to see. What it yeah, happened? Yeah, I'm still we annoyed know, about that. We know that Rose is laid up in a hospital with Wintergreen. And yeah, we got. So it would have been cool to see that in the Speed Force he sees all the stuff concurrently, and we saw what led to this and led to him thinking that saving Grant would fix us all. It's, uh, we still haven't got that. It's worth mentioning, uh, Priest on his website uh, did speak about... Uh, I, didn't, I didn't read it too in-depthly, but apparently the original plan for this story wasn't a crossover. It was going to be something that was just in his book at some point, and it was presumably not going to play out the way it did, and it was sort of a late change that all of a sudden it's going to be a crossover. Uh, so that could account for a lot of the, the weird mishmash feeling of things and why things aren't quite And why up. most of it's played out in his stuff, his issues right. at the end here. Yeah, probably. Uh, which is a shame. And maybe this is maybe the first example in Rebirth where it feels like the crossover felt kind of forced as opposed to Night of the Monster Men, which was enjoyable. And then you had the, the, cross, you, you had the button, which yeah. was really good. That just finished. And it feels like most yeah. stuff has became from the right place, whereas this one is like, oh no, let's have something for me that's a, a crossover. Oh. Well, yeah, let's let's play on the Deathstroke Titans relationship, and so we'll tie in. Which which could have worked, we've, but it yeah, more but they just never capitalized on it, and and that's it. Like I said, this as an event in terms of what this does going forward, where you know for all the individual books, what their story is next. I'm like, yeah, I like what this has done, but as a story, reading it. I kind of wish, wish I hadn't almost. Yeah, it sets up interesting things going forward, but it doesn't. Uh... It doesn't justify its own existence no. other than to do these things for what's next yeah. elsewhere. Nah, so obviously New Wally gets fired from the Teen Titans. We find out about original Wally's pacemaker, which sets up plots for those two books as well, of course. Um, that's yeah. the epilogues. Um, uh, do you want to mention Priest's other post that he made <laughs> uh, counteracting some of the criticism? Which is really funny, because he wrote this post on his website about... Mm-hmm. Um, seeing negativity about the issue across uh, the internet and a lot of the complaints are weird because a lot of them are talking about how uh, what he's done to Damien and Wally and how they feel yeah. uh, you know the pacemaker thing and like it's the funny yeah. thing is, is I actually think this is a really weak issue and a really weak crossover but it's not because of the complaints that he's addressing in this post which I think yeah. really amusing yeah and, and go ahead Connor I was just going to say, you're, you're right. Like he's, he's right to defend these particular things that he's attacking. Mm-hmm. I think it's notable that he's not defending the overall quality and saying, no, this is a fantastic story. He's defending specifically the character decisions, which we're also defending as well to some degree. Yeah. To, to an extent. Some, some of it, again, feels rushed and whatnot. Uh, I agree with some of his points. He talks about how like not every writer can go back and read 100 issues and the characters have to have new obstacles and things. They have to be able to change and... Mm-hmm. I, I will say on the, the whole thing about the you know, can't read a hundred issues stuff. Yeah. That's kind of what the editors should be saying. 
this is how they need to act now. They yeah. should be the one. That, the editors are on the line for that. Oh, for of me. course. Um, that said, though, I don't necessarily agree. I think I think there's some points he makes in the post that I don't necessarily entirely agree with either. And I'm not just talking about yeah. the paragraph where he talks about how he hates Dick Grayson. <laughs> um, but again, he starts out by saying this is his opinion yeah. and it's not right or wrong. Which, yeah, yeah. And he and clearly after he, that paragraph, I'm like, okay, yeah. never give him Nightwing because I don't want him anywhere near yeah. it. <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> but you get the idea that he wouldn't take Nightwing because, like yeah. he says, like it's just he finds him boring. But he does say that's but, just him. Yeah, but versus other creators that would use that opportunity as a as a chance to ruin certain characters, Nightwing comes off pretty well throughout any of Priest stuff. I mean, he's, he's, done so he's mostly just kind of. You know? It's kind of what he says he is. He's just a sort of the generic leader dude in this. He doesn't really have yeah, much I, I going think, for him. Yeah, I think he avoids doing too much with him out of fear of accidentally ruining him for someone else. It's like yeah. he goes, yeah. I don't really get this character. This isn't for me. I don't understand it, but clearly he doesn't want to piss any. He doesn't want to piss too many people off and go. Oh, I'm going to do something drastic. So he kind of just has him do very much by the numbers. Just do his bit, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah. That said, I do think the quality of the the crossover is actually really weak, especially now that we've finished it and I've seen what the end game was, what they've devoted time to, things just coming out of nowhere. It felt really haphazard, and by the end of it, I was just kind of like. Okay, I hope the next things are good because that kind of sucked. No, I, I agree, but it's why I also I do agree with his post. He doesn't defend going. Oh, this was a great story. But there was a little bit at some point I think where he kind of. I think he, the he, only he, thing he says is saying that there wasn't a single good page in the entire crossover is just silly or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Which um, I mean, to be fair, that is a bit silly, but you know, it, this was refreshing coming from him is that he kind of. Not that he was mature, because I've seen other comic creatives like when addressed with this type of criticism, just snap mm. and act like complete yeah. jerks. And here he was kind of like, "Well, look, guys, this was my story. If you don't like it, I'm sorry." That's the funny thing, but though. It's, it kind of sa- it it sounds like they've been forced out of the crossover. It no longer was exactly his story, though, which is kind of the weird thing. Yeah. He's, he's been put in this really weird position. And to be fair, he's been kind of a champ and just kind of taking it and defending it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you could debate, like, would it have been wiser for him to just not address it? Like, just let it be. Maybe, yeah. but I feel it's a respectful enough post. Yeah, he's yeah, not it's... insulting anyone. He's going, look, I get you. He, he yeah. opens it and saying, oh, I've heard you. Like, you know... I was wrong on some of these things, perhaps. Honestly, reading reading this crossover and then reading his post, honestly, it makes me. It does make me think. You know what? They really shouldn't give Priest events and crossovers and things like that, yeah. where he's dealing with all these other characters. I feel like yeah. Priest seems to work better when he's he's got one either focused character or set of characters that he works with. And yeah, keep it contained. And he, he knows his story and he knows what he's yeah. doing with that. And like, like it, obviously, we, we've been enjoying Deathstroke a lot, and he clearly has it plotted out. Yeah. very very tight. clearly shared universe shenanigans aren't really his i mean obviously he's had some elements in his book you know he, like uh what's his face raptor oh, showed God up and well. things yeah. like that but th- those were things he'd planned well in advance and it's maybe he's taking characters that he knows he likes and he knows that he understands and that kind of idea um yeah. but like maybe forcing him into events and crossovers and things like that probably aren't for in everyone's best interest uh given I, think how that's this turned out. I, I think i think maybe if he's aware of that limitation maybe now editorial will be a bit more aware of that and we Hopefully. just won't get this as a problem i again. mean to be fair if the one thing we've said about dc since rebus started is they seem to have been learning from their mistakes and maybe this is yeah. sure there's going to be mistakes they're not going to be 
knocking things out perfectly forever. Like it's just not going to yeah, happen. Yeah. And once all said and done, it was only four issues, and it took a, a month. It wasn't four months of it. Oh that's, sure, that's, yeah, that's we're, true. we're and, past it, uh, yeah. And like I said, this this yeah. was a mistake, but it wasn't a mistake that they've made before recently. So yeah. they can learn from this now. I mean, if they make this mistake again in three months, whatever, we'll, we'll, then it'll be a problem. But it doesn't seem like yeah. it. It's because it, the, the things we know are coming. We've got Metal, which is very much Snyder and Capullo doing their thing. I mean, like it or not, it'll be their thing, and they've got it planned. Mm. Uh, Doomsday Clock, I have, I have no worry about Jeff Johns bringing his, his nope. A-game for a DC yeah. event. Wait. So. He said Jeff Johns ain't Gary Frank. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only thing Matt likes more than Jessica Chastain is Jeff Johns and Gary Frank teaming up. <laughs> Together. Oh, yeah, dear. Uh, have we done that? anything else anyone wants to say on Lazarus' contract? No. I thought the art was pretty good in that last issue. Yeah, well, it pop out here. It's, yeah. It really does. I, you know, I thought it was okay. I thought, uh, not so much the art. I think the uh, maybe it was the inks for me where it felt a little bit... Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I wasn't feeling the same depth to the images as I, I was I, used to. I, I do think the joke. inks were perhaps a little bit loose, mm. but uh, yeah. say it was it was hilarious to go from the Paul Pelletier art to the Brett Booth art in the, At the end. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like it was just like oof. Yeah, it's it's really highlighting the the step downs, isn't it? Yep. Oh, yeah, because you have you have the uh, the Koi fan one before Brett Booth as well. Yeah, it's yeah. like oh, oh, this is rough. Yeah, well, I like Koi fan though. Koi fan's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. when you get to Booth. Oh yeah, sure, yeah. Um, but probably like the Koi fan pages the most out of the the art because I I really like his style. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, that'll uh, take us on. So before we get to the other annuals, we will uh, hit the Flash number twenty three, which was pushed back because the last issue was pushed back, so they put it on week five, and this was a Flash, Hal Jordan team up issue. Uh, it's also Barry's birthday. There's a surprise party. Uh, Hal shows up, uh, and shenanigans ensue. And I kind of like where this is going. Where, where, where this is kind of setting up and leading to. Yeah. Fantastic issue. Uh, I always, I always forget with the, you know, they were the brave and the bold kind of first. You know, Barry and Hal, and then yeah. they were gone forever. And now it's fun to see them. You know, because we didn't get too much of them in Johns's runs on things. You know, he was focused elsewhere. Like we did get Barry as a Blue Lantern at one point, but outside of that, they really didn't interact. So him showing up to Barry's birthday, like yeah, with a present, nice, wasn't it? yeah, yeah. And I saw, I saw people on Barry had given him. Yeah, I saw people on funny. Twitter this week saying, "Oh, we should get a, we should get a Green Lantern permanent book." Uh, and I'm like, "Yeah, call it Brave and the Bold. Sure, just give it. Yeah, it's yeah. fine." Yeah. Um, I will say also just the the opening page. I was like, oh, I'm gonna like this story. Yeah, well, yeah, this is gonna be interesting. Let's talk about the opening page because it's we we start with a little teaser in the uh, 25th century in the Flash Museum, and there's a unknown voice talking about Thon and who he is in Reverse Flash. But then it gets really interesting at the bottom of the page because we see next to a Flash statue of Barry, there's a Reverse Flash statue, and it says mm-hmm. that Eobard Thon was a partner, an ally, and his best friend. What has he done to the timeline? What the hell has Thon done? Because, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, that did pique my interest. It was like, oh, this is interesting. Yes. And of, of course, we see Thon's body, because it obviously passed he died in, yeah. in the button. And we see this spark of speed force in his eye. And it's like, all oh, right, okay, that didn't last long. <laughs> he's coming back. <laughs> well, yeah. well, like he says, he's the one constant. Yeah. 
So that's, that's the case. Yeah. Is he unkillable now? Because if he looked up at the face of God, hmm. and and the Speed Force, you know, does what it does. Like, yeah. how do you get rid of Thawne? Uh, that's, uh-huh. a, that's a good point. Uh, well, because obviously uh, Multiplex shows up, and that's what uh, Barry and Hal go off to fight uh, during yeah. the issue. That's kind of the, the main fun. But when he's at the party, Barry has this... Because he's thinking about Iris, and should he tell Iris who he is? Right. You know, uh, New Wally's really pissed at him for everything. <laughs> and we have this fantastic nightmare scene uh, of Reverse Flash coming in and killing everyone that Barry cares about. Killing Iris, killing New Wally, all the rest of it. And every, I love how red the pages are, and then you turn the page, and then Barry's standing in what looks like just this pool of blood with the dead bodies. Yeah. It's like super dark. I love it. The art's great it's, here. It's so horrific. And then it cuts back to normal in the, the panel next, and it's all the greens, and it just it's such a drastic change. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a little mini, mini uh, golf course they're on. They're playing yeah. mini golf. I don't think that's important. I'm just pointing out that people play mini golf. It, it wasn't important, no. <laughs> no. But but maybe Barry likes mini golf. Maybe he does. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's an <laughs> idea. Actually, yeah. Who doesn't like mini golf? Right, mini you golf's can't fine. speed. Th- you can't speed through mini golf because I've tried. You just can't. Like <laughs> it, it, it is a game that tests my know. patience. You can't. Uh, yeah. Well, well, so I'm not good uh, at it. That's why. <laughs> are you better or worse at regular golf? I've never gone regular golfing because I grew up watching Happy Gilmore, and apparently that's not how you swing a golf club. <laughs> <laughs> so I was told to never touch these again. Uh, I'm not gonna lie; after seeing that movie when I was a kid, I may may or may not have tried to do the Happy Gilmore swing yeah. to see if it worked. Yeah. The answer is it does not. No, it does not. Don't believe everything you see. Um, right, so I- Iris is obviously feeling that he, uh, he might be withholding something, and that's kind of setting up the themes of the issue. All this teasing, like, oh, what if, what if reverse, what if Thon did want to like do all this bad stuff? It's setting up that fear. Uh, obviously, some of the pages of uh, Barry and Hal like teaming up. That that double page spread. Like you see, like in the previous pages, both the, yeah. the rings. You know, the suit comes out the ring. Uh, Hal's getting his ring ready, and then you know, that double page spread of uh, the two of them in costume. Oh, it's glorious! So stuff. good, isn't it? Yeah, as, as a long-time fan of these characters, it's just great stuff to see. Uh, so obviously, they race off and they go and start to deal with the deal with everything. So, uh, and obviously, uh, Multiplex gets really powerful, and there's like a swarm of them. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love how insane Multiplex is because this is a character that I haven't seen too much. Hmm. Like I remember him Johns's run, but he wasn't a major villain. Here's someone Wally took out real quick, but like him swarm like becoming a swarm of himself because this girl turned him down or so he thinks in his head yeah i'm just like man dude's got problems i love it yeah do you know about multiplexes i'd just kind of forgotten it it existed and then he showed up in the show and i'm like oh yeah Yeah. he was a thing like i'd forgotten about him um but that's just fun i feel like you could do a lot with multiplex if you wanted to it's a really fun power well that's what that's what makes him a good flash villain is it for as fast as barry can go, this guy is just going to make him multiples of himself. You know? Hmm. So, yeah, it works hand-in-hand hand real well. Yeah. I like how the art's called Color of Fear, because obviously Reverse mm-hmm. Flash is yellow, and it, it's not actually a Green Lantern story, but it kind of... It, it works. works yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it just kind of ties into it nicely. Uh, so, New Wally takes Iris home at the end, and he's basically about to tell her about about his father-slash-uncle, who's a Reverse Flash, because she didn't yeah. know about that. Uh and I love how as they go in, and we get the reveal that Thawne's sitting in their house waiting for them, and he's like, oh, please, there's only one reverse flash. Oh. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a glorious cliffhanger. I, I, I love this issue. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting mm-hmm. in. I feel like, I feel like Williamson, 
has been slowly building to really hitting his stride as a flash writer. Like he's really starting yeah. to hit all the kind of stories we want. Like we got a rogue story and that was fun, and now we're getting yeah. to like some proper thon stuff. It's like ah, oh, it's great. Well, and starting with the new villain, right? With Godspeed, yeah, to the rogues and and all that. Like he's yeah, slowly I, I like building that. up to the bigger threats. You had the the Godspeed costume in the the museum. Yeah. On the first page. I mean, there's a lot of this costumes. Yeah, there's a lot. You, of you also the had Nina's costume, the black hole yeah, one there too. Yeah. Uh, which is right. We've still got her at play. Yeah. 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 And yeah, that puppet flash. It looks like Doctor Alchemy's there, and I only recognize that because of the show. <laughs> like I feel like that's the only reason that one was there, so prominent. Probably. Uh, gentleman Ghost. And... Yeah. What's the bet? We'll get a thinker plot at some point in the near future. Right. It's it's that'll be one of those things that feels like it could be uh, editorial mandated, but I'm sure if even if it is, it'll still be a good story. Yeah, I mean, God, I, and I just, it's got time. Yeah, I, I just noticed right next to the the reverse Flash costume, it's one of the lightning rods that was in the JLA JSA story that brought Wally back. But also oh, yeah. on the left of the yeah, right. Interesting. So, also, I went out about this last page when they go in the house and Thon's sitting there. Uh, again, it plays with the colours and the art. Uh, the house is very mm. blue. And there's no real mm. reason why yeah. it should be blue, but it, is, it accents his yellow very well. It's very, it does. It's like the room's very cold and then he's this yellow. And, you know, obviously that's meant to be warm, but here it's signalling more danger because he's yeah. just Thon. Yeah. He's a villain. So, no, I like it. it, no, it he's it, got that red outline, too. Like, yeah. he's... Oh, the red lightning. Yeah, yeah. It, it just gives you this idea that he, he's entered a comfortable place. He's he's this. He's not meant to be here. This is a place of comfort and homeliness and what? stuff. What yeah. kind of monster sits like that on a couch? Uh, someone who wants to show off the cock. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> that is basically going. Hey, check out the bulge. Check it. <laughs> check it. No cod piece needed. Uh, maybe she'll test yeah. it and try and kick him in a minute. Uh, I'm really excited for this story. Just go like, how do we get to where that first page was, and how how does Thorn take that? Like, is is it something that he's chosen to make it like that, or is this mm. uh, an accidental byproduct? Yeah, and then even like, how how do we factor in Hal being there to help fight Thorn? Like, how does that work? Like him against an evil speedster? Because we had Batman versus Thorn in the button, and that was yeah. like really exciting. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, but. You you'd think that the power ring offers a little bit more defense against. Yeah, him. you'd assume so. Yeah. Oh yeah, you would think that he could at least shield himself technically, and maybe Thon will try and phase through it. And what what what, what sort of results does that bring? Because it's you know it's not a real thing. It's you know, green power and energy. Mm. All this also makes me really worried about Iris, because Iris between Wally and Barry. Ah, uh, no, we're going we're going to save Iris. Don't you worry, Matt. I fingers crossed, fingers crossed. But I just I know the Flash history, so it's a little bit worrisome. It's not about tragedy, Matt. Flash is not about tragedy. I know, I know. All right, I guess I guess we're done with the Flash. Uh, <laughs> we're all just we're all just too nervous there because Matt's just yeah. brought that up inside. Sorry, guys. He's making us uneasy. I know I don't like uh, it. All right, uh, let's let's move on. Oh, pardon me. 
Let's move on to the Wonder Woman annual, number one. Um, I, I'm not going to specify who's done, done what here because it's four separate stories. We'll just talk about those as we go through them. Um, but obviously the first one is by Rucka and uh, Nicholas Scott. Yeah. And this is a story of Batman and Superman meeting Wonder Woman for the first time. We actually see them reacting to her. But basically it's after that, that, that mall scene that was in year one where she saved mm-hmm. people. We see both Batman and Superman reacting. Uh, Clark's with Lois... Uh, Lois, who doesn't seem to know that he's Superman yet, which makes sense timeline-wise. Yeah, uh, so early. And uh, Batman's with Bruce, and they're uh, yeah. So they both go and try sorry, and sorry. find her. Batman's with Bruce. Oh, sorry, Alfred. I meant to say Alfred. Batman's with Alfred. I want to say Batman is with Bruce because later on we find yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. We get there. All right. Uh, <laughs> so. So they both go and try and stake out where she is on this military base with uh, with Steve and all that, and mm. she pops up behind them, and it's the, the, the whole thing is basically that they don't really trust her very much, uh, well, Batman mm. especially, and she whips out the lasso and makes them hold it so they can understand her, because she still can't speak English, and but mm. also shows their true sort of intent, what's in their heart, as it were, and she basically is like, look, you can trust me, and that's kind of it, it's kind of the meeting, uh, and Probably the biggest laugh that I left out, uh, I, I let out this week was when after the lasso and Batman has to admit that he doesn't have anything to fear with her. After after mm. let's go, he's like, I hate magic. Yep. I mean that was good. I, I think I was laughing more at the you know when when Clark shows up and the banter between him and Bruce there. Yep. It's like, oh yeah, mind if I keep you company? Yes. Well, I'll just stay here then. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the he's... she's not from around here. <laughs> wow, you're good. Yeah. Some yeah, no, it was good. It was yeah. uh, some sort of brotherly dynamic, you know, where they're, they're well, uh, I just like teasing that each other. The way that Rucka is writing Superman is he's kind of, not that he's a dim bulb, but he's definitely putting on a persona for Batman, hmm. you know? Yeah. And it just, it plays with it so well. When he introduces himself as Clark Kent, I mean, Kal-El, and then Batman's like, Batman. And he goes, Dude. Dude. I mean, Seriously, that's your name? To, to be fair, to be fair here, right? Maybe Superman should maybe think, I won't reveal my true identity. I, uh, I've just met... Lasso of Truth, woman. Pete. He's yeah, not holding it yet. Holding the lasso of truth. They so I just love the... Has he? Oh, yeah. That's the wait. whole point yeah. of that. They're all holding it. Oh, I can confirm. All right, uh, no, I can confirm. Yes, they're holding the lasso. All right, fine. Which, fine. which is why it's funnier that he still just says Batman. Okay, that's yeah, fair. Because that's deep fair. down, that's who he is. And that's where he goes, shut up, the rope, it's translating. Like he doesn't want to talk about it. Like he kind of knows. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of sad almost, isn't it? A little, but also I, just, I really I love like when... the smirk on Superman's face. See, see when she asks, uh, you, you know, you've got nothing to fear, and Superman says no, and then he just looks over at Batman and is like, "That's your cue." <laughs> no, and it goes right into his eyes. Yeah, this was. I would love Rucka to do like a a one off Trinity story that that has this tone to it. It was it was killing me like the, the whole thing with a oh you can kill someone with rope Clark it's like well not yeah. quickly so yeah well you probably could you probably can't yeah. <laughs> yeah but she also I like that she calls the the lasso it's the perfect because it also yeah. shows like her her language isn't quite there yet and uh, you know it's yeah I just love her because Wonder Woman you can't yeah so good can't get over it yeah and, uh, and then yeah. you introduce. 
the Trinity, and it just it's even better. Yeah. So the the, the Batman at the end is uh, basically gives this sort of final message saying, "Oh, we've seen what's in our art, and we've got a lot of catching up to do." Uh, yeah. And that's this pretty cool thing for him to see. You expect Superman to say that. Yeah. Yeah. But ba- Batman's the one who brings the snaps out. So. And, and it shows the... how. Go ahead, Connor. No, I was just gonna say. Then, then you have the great shot of of her flying again with the birds. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was in pause. Yeah. Yeah. It just shows how each of them are unique for for their role. You know, is one woman is kind of the best of them. You know, mm. whereas. Whereas Bruce is, you know, the, that detective, and he's closed off and guarded. He's a cynical Superman's, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and Superman's almost the die-in-the-wool optimist because he doesn't know how else to be. One woman just, she is, you know. She, she's not putting on an act. Like, compared to these two, she is exactly who she says she is. She's Diana yeah, from the scare. Yeah, I, I think it's the, the thing where with, with Clark and Bruce, they're both products of their upbringing of in, yep. you know, in this world with, you know, no parents versus you know the good parents whereas right. her it's she was raised by a community and you know she it was so different that yep. she is just she on a completely different level to them raised by you know mm-hmm. parents or alfred or whatever obviously right. the art is gorgeous nicholas scott oh yeah, yeah it's, it's it's almost not even worth mentioning at this point no it is glorious i actually really want her to do some uh, superman and batman work now after seeing her yeah 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 her also, drawing Superman has made my entire week. Just of course it has. And also, some proper Batman years as well. None of this nonsense that some of the artists little, do. Yeah, yeah. I, I like how you can tell that it's you know however many years ago as well. Like Clark looks younger. Mm-hmm. Mm. I thought that was that was a really nice touch. And Batman doesn't mm-hmm. have his purple and yellow outline. No. Going, yeah. So we know it's an older suit. It's almost my favorite bat suit. That's the the one that I like a whole lot. It's very reminiscent yeah, like of the yeah, animated series version. Yeah. All right, uh, how, how nice is it that they gave it to Rucker, though, to do the, the meeting mm-hmm. of the Trinity in this continuity? That's, like, that, that's kind of like the, the last peace offering, so to speak. It's like, look, I, I know he has other stuff knows. to do, but he he needs to come back to DC as soon as he's done doing the other stuff. Yeah. Like, I can Because I need him doing more. Yeah, definitely. All right, the uh, second story in the annual is called In the Defense of Truth and Justice. I actually didn't know what the title of the first one was. I didn't even check. Um, it was just, it was, it was the Rucker uh, one. I didn't care. Uh, and then there were three. <laughs> and then there were three. Then there were three. So this is In the Defense of Truth and Justice, uh, via uh, Alea, writing and Claire Rowe on art. I will say the art was really rough in this one. I, uh, yeah. But you're on, you're on record with Claire Rowe. And rough art. Yeah, yeah. It's just that that, sh- that shot. It wasn't so bad when it was just the the soldiers talking at first, but then Wonder Woman like sort of like lands and she looks like this muscly freak. And I'm yeah. like, mm. she she's from Birds of Prey, right? Well, she, yeah. originally, so, yeah, but it's yeah, it's been Rose and Tony who's been fell off. Right, but the the, the, yeah. the start stuff was was her, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. This this one woman definitely does CrossFit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I, I I don't think uh, Belair's colors help though. I think they're really flat colors, and I, I don't think it works. Well, it gives us this dark and dreary kind of tone, which I think is what they're going Honestly, for. Yeah, I just don't think it works with her art. No, I I, yeah. I like the colors, just not for this story per se. Like I actually think these colors look really nice and moody for something else, but not yeah. so much this. Uh, so ba- was... ba- basically, this is the story of this this country wants to execute uh, King Shark. Yeah, Markovia, which we should note for Judas contract later. Oh yeah, there you yeah. go. 
Yeah. Good job, Markov. Um, but yeah, so and they're wanting to assassinate him. There's one person sticking up for him, but they're not having it. They're just like, no, no, no. <laughs> Judge, jury, executioner, kill him. Do it now. And Wonder Woman shows up to sort of defend him because he's not guilty of this crime. I mean, he's guilty of a lot of crimes, she's... but not this one. Yeah, she's there for the truth, surprisingly. Yeah. Who would have thought? Pretty much. That's, that's pretty much it. A uh, big fight ensues, and uh, she takes him to the sea at the end, and <laughs> basically takes him to Aquaman. Like he'll take care of you. He's a man of the yeah. ocean. I, I actually like this. It's like, hey, look, you're not a human, so let's, you know, maybe not judge you by our rules, and let's give you to the the, the king of the seas and let him hmm. deal with you. I, I like the ending. I, I liked him kind of folding his arms and like sort of begrudgingly accepting what she's saying to him, and then the little thank you at the end. I, I liked what the plot was. It's just uh, the art was kind of rough. So this was, yeah, definitely the weakest. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of it. Um, that was a decent little story though for what it was. Yeah, I like the I like the story, but the art kind of mm. hampered the enjoyment for sure. Uh, next story uh, was called the was called the curse and the honor. Uh, Michael uh, Moretti writing and Stephanie Hans on art. This one's uh, basically a tale, tale of sort of uh, like honor. It's in the snow and she's got this like sort of samurai master who's like someone who Steve knows. Uh, yep. But it twist. They turn out to be like a. Well, I won't call. He's cursed with a, a demon. Oh yeah, I won't. I was tempted to say werewolf, but it's not. A, it's not actually a werewolf, though. It's, it's no, it's a, it's it's more of a. It's like demonic sort of thing. It's a demonic hedgehog. Yeah, well, yeah it, <laughs> it's it's very shades of cheetah. I, I kept I, getting like. I want to assume this is something from Japanese folklore, but I do not yeah. know enough about that to know what this is. And I, I'm conflicted on the art with this one, because I actually love the snow, I love the red blood and stuff, and I love how it mixes. I really like the art in that sense. I do think Wonder Woman herself, though, the colours feel weird on her. I don't agree with that. No, I like it. It it, it definitely looks more like a painting. Like this was done. Well, yeah, 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 it is, it is painted, I think. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, so... this, it's very royal red, rather than the, the bright American red. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. It really works for me, especially with the the whole thing is this themes of honor, and so that the the kind of the the royalness of the the color really plays into that nicely for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's the 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 sensei w- wants her to like to protect the village because you know if not, then you know, monsters going to go rampaging. And that's kind of yeah. it. She fights it, and it, it, the art's gorgeous. It is, I mean, this story is mainly in the art. If the art wasn't up to par here, it wouldn't be up to much. Because it is yeah, a very yeah, simple. Yeah, it's it's yeah. fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's yeah. all just uh, in the execution. Yeah, the the arts were elegant. It'd, it'd make a really cool short. Like they were doing on Cartoon Network a while ago. They were doing like these superhero shorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. This would have been a really cool one, just with the voiceover and their battle. Because uh, it is all about he's the greatest warrior, according to Steve Trevor, but he's deferring to Wonder Woman. That no, Wonder Woman, you're actually the best warrior, and the whole reason he's, she's there is to to kill him because he's cursed. And mm. if she, she doesn't want to, you know, she wants to find another way. Uh, it's just because they're yeah, warriors doesn't mean it, they just kill. But ultimately, she, it comes down she to, to she has to. And that's that's part of what it is to be a warrior. She does what yep. she has to, regardless of whether or not she wants to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's otherwise very beautiful. Though. I actually, I would love to see Stephanie Hans do like a, a horror comic or something. Though. I can't wait yeah. for her issue on Batwoman. Mm. Yeah. We've got her doing that epilogue at the end of the arc, 
and I can't wait because good eyes, Connor. Yeah, no, uh, it's really really pretty stuff. Uh, uh, I, I've been a fan of his for a while, and everything that I've ever seen from him is just fantastic. Like like I say, the monster bleeding in the snow is really really pretty. Like in a kind of grotesque way, but it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, that that panel. Well, that, that, uh, I think it's the page after that where it's the the bottom panel where it just says uh, "peace," and you've got the 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 light around the sunrise. The woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, no, it looks really nice. Uh, so yeah, artistic showcase uh, is the third story, uh, basically, uh, yeah. and then the fourth one, <laughs> which is called the last kaiju, which is funny because the page before that, I went, holy shit, is this a kaiju story? And then I flipped the page and went, oh, it's called the last kaiju. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Uh, it's Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing writing and David Lafayette on art. Uh, so yeah, this is a story about a kaiju who looks like a kaiju from Pacific Rim. Like it actually looks yep. like one of them. No, it, it looks like the the the. I oh, can't remember all the names. Damn it! Uh, the pointy-headed one. <laughs> yeah, his name was like Steel Jaw or something along those lines. Razor uh, Jaw. I don't think I ever knew their names, yeah. admittedly, but <laughs> like. I got very into it, Pete. <laughs> he's he's reading all the extra materials. Oh, here's the Pacific Rim Encyclopedia. When you go hunting for Gypsy Danger, and all you keep finding is this guy, <laughs> you learn the name real quick. So we have Wonder Woman sort of uh, fighting him a little bit, but basically it ultimately becomes about her realising it's just a big monster who doesn't have a home and doesn't have a place yeah. to go. So she can she ends up protecting it from the army, like stops all the jets it's from... Argus. Yeah. Stop, yeah. Stops all the jet from uh, hitting it and then, yeah, finds him a home. Dinosaur Island. Yeah, and he's... You, you, get his, you get his origin and he's, you know... He doesn't want to cause trouble, but everywhere he goes, people assume he wants trouble because he's a kaiju. Yeah. And it's funny actually because you know, when she takes him to the island, yeah. and it was this this big full page spread of him like sitting there, and he's just smelling like a baby. It's actually like a really yeah. weird panel because he has such a sort of like shark look to him through all the yeah. other uh, like the rest of the issue, and then he's got this big smirk in his face at the end. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the art? It just shows her compassion, and the art wasn't the best but it fit like it gave it a kind of manga feel she, yeah, yeah it worked for the story she, she's got big fists and she's got this like ultra straight hair it's very it's very different very stylized compared to some of the other stuff um but yeah it worked worked well enough that was just another fun little story of compassion that's what you're right that, that's exactly what this story was showing was her her compassion i feel yeah. like we've had similar stories with her in the past but i'm not going to complain yeah. about another one um, do, do you know what this, oh, the one this with the whole... tiger yeah, yeah. Th this whole annual reminds me of uh, you know the, the Sensation Comics digital first one that they had, mm -hmm. where it was just the the short you know ten page stories of mm -hmm. just Wonder Woman doing a Wonder Woman thing. That's mm -hmm. pretty much other than the the first story where that was you know tying into the run so, still. That's just so yeah. Fun. So the fact that that Rucka now uh, I can cry about the run coming to an end. He's given me a whole new appreciation for Wonder Woman. I thought I had appreciated her after Azrello, but after that run was over, I kind of forgot. But with Rucka, it's made me go back, and I picked up his first, you know, trades. I, I think of... the difference is for Azarello. Azarello's Wonder Woman was not the typical Wonder Woman. It was, it was, yeah, it was for his story, story for that mythology, and it was a fantastic yeah. version of Wonder Woman. But it definitely wasn't yeah. this where this. Rucka's Wonder Woman definitely feels like if I go and look at another Wonder Woman story, most of them they're gonna it, feel sort of this is this is her. 
This is what, yeah, this may, has made me want to go check out more stories. It's also a and Wonder Woman who's part of the universe, whereas Azrael's Wonder Woman felt very was separate. Very on its own. Yeah. yeah. So, because it's always a character that a new run would come out, I would pick up like two issues in a row and be like, yeah, I'll read this in trade and then never get to it. But now I feel like between the, the Rucker run that we've gotten, the one I still have to read, and then that special that we had, uh, with all those small stories, that was like this one. Yeah, the 75th anniversary. The 75th, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Between that and now this annual with all these little stories in it, I yep. just I want to read more. And I really appreciate her now. And I feel like had we done the 52nd episode, she actually would have been represented on my top 10. Hmm. Which is funny because that was only two weeks ago, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. A lot changes in two weeks. Like, there's. Oh, yeah, I will say this. There was a, there was a, maybe it's still be on, actually. I don't know how long it's still running. I think it's run to the 6th or the 7th of the month. But there's a Wonder Woman sale on Comixology. And uh, I picked up the first Rucker trade, uh, which is like the first like 14 issues of it. Uh, I picked up the first yeah. Perez trade, which was basically the like post-Crisis uh, Infinite Earth. So it was like she rebooted kind of mm-hmm. like Superman did. So it's the first chunk yeah. of that. Um, there's other stuff in there as well, but that was the two stuff I picked up. I intend to read a bit more Wonder Woman going forward. Yeah, yeah I can. It's also worth noting, I did see, like, you know, as you, you get your adverts on Facebook as you scroll mm-hmm. through, mm-hmm. Whatever, and there you're the personalized one. Uh, I did get one that said it was uh, part one of the Wonder Woman sale, so we may get another one next week not, as well. I have no idea what will be in the part two, though. I feel like all the trades no are all in this one, so it's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm not well, sure. It could be random other stuff, too. You know, just could like team-up stories and, Maybe. and everything else. I just yeah. I feel like if well, I split it in two, it feels like they've put, in, put all the sort of the big stuff in the first one, the first part. They front-loaded it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know what that uh, means. Did you guys read Morrison's Earth 1, Wonder Woman? Not no. yet. I plan to, though. I, I recommend it for, again, where we talked about Azarella's version of Wonder Woman. Mm. Morrison's almost a meta story on Sounds Wonder about Woman. Right. Yeah, right, of course, but... I'm done with that. Yeah. Uh, the, the, it, honestly, I'll read it for Paquette's art. Yeah. Well, yeah. art's really fantastic. Mm, yeah. Honestly, I'll probably hold off on that for a while, because I feel like I've had enough Wonder Woman origins recently. <laughs> Between between yeah. a couple of different comics, between Legend of Wonder Woman, uh, Year One, the movie, even like I feel like I don't need another origin for a while. I feel like I've had my fill. No, he says well, when he's right, about I mean, to we're... read the Perez Wonder Woman. I never said I was going to read it soon. I never said I was going to read it soon. I said it's there to be read. I, it is an origin, but also there's there's so much themes at play, and if you know the history of the creator, mm. uh, of, of the it's just everything plays into a thing in the most Morrison way possible. So. But I, I, the only reason I brought it up because what Connor had said about Azarello's being a version of Wonder Woman, but not the versus Rucka's, it just feels like yeah. this is Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. But then I, again, I, I, I feel that's Rucka because Batman felt like the Batman, and and well, not the goddamn Batman, just. <laughs> proper Batman, same with the yeah, Superman. Yeah, Azarello's super, uh, Superman. That's right. Wonder Woman, and. Uh, and I assume Grant Morrison's Earth One. They feel like yeah. Elseworlds essentially, even though New Fifty Two Wonder Woman yeah. wasn't an Elseworld, but it kind of felt like it. Might, might as well yeah. have been, yeah. yeah, an extended Elseworlds. So there you go. That's that's the Wonder Woman annual. So it was a pretty enjoyable thing. I, I think the thing with annuals, they, they, because of this collection of stories, and you don't necessarily feel like you're getting the next part of the main story. Sometimes they can feel a little bit like, oh yeah, that was fine, but it was kind of just filler because it's a fifth week mm-hmm. and not like actual meat. Um, 
I would say this one's worth reading. I, I think none of the stories I mean, were bad. The art was three out of, three out of four are pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fourth one is a decent idea. It's just the art's a bit rough, and because of that, yeah. it suffers. But yeah. not bad. Not bad overall. That'll take us on to Trinity Annual number one. Rob Williams writing uh, Gillum March on art. Um, so this this is this isn't actually standalone. This is following the main plot, not the current Manipal plot. This is following the plot that was yeah. set up in the Villains Trinity issue, which I think was number seven. Uh, and it's going to be brought up again once Manipal's finished his current arc. It's actually going to be uh, Rob Williams who comes back and continues the story that you set up here. That's followed. Yeah, up obviously it, it was Bun in the first. It part. was. But yeah. Bun wrote the first part of it, but now it's going to be Rob Williams who seems to be taking the reins and going forward with it. Yeah, and uh, I have to say, I'm not sure if I'll be back after Manipal. Disclaimer, yeah. um, I didn't read this one. I ran out of time. And then I had heard what Connor, because Connor had read it pretty early in the week. Hmm. And he was kind of like, well, I might not want to continue. So I was like, eh, I'll save it for last. Uh, honestly, I, I have I have reasons beyond that that final page, yeah. which we'll get to. But, <laughs> okay. uh, there's a lot of this just stuff just isn't working for me. So yeah. I think... <laughs> Come on, spoilers, Pete. <laughs> we'll start talking about the book once the book's been talking about the spoilers for the whole issue are in play um, but no, so this was basically um, Etrigan ends up, remember the Pandora pits from that issue, the villain issue that we talked about uh, uh, Etrigan ends up in there and it separates Etrigan and uh, what's his face, Blood Blood yeah, Jason Blood. Jason Blood, that's the name. Uh, it separates them into be- but Etrigan becomes ultra powerful. He basically turns into a giant kaiju. He's got an army of demons, and the Trinity are like, "Oh crap, something's going on!" And they show up and they fight the demons, and that all goes on. And then eventually, Blood has to accept the fact that he needs to reunite with the demon, otherwise, apocalypse happens. Yeah, all hell breaks loose. Literally. Yeah. So that's basically the, the, what the issue is. Uh, honestly, I thought it was okay. Like, I mean, it, it kind of felt I... like a sort of forgettable action issue of Justice League but it was nowhere near as like bad as say a, a, like any of the Justice League issues from like this current run no definitely not I kind of like the Etrigan stuff just because I, I like Etrigan so yeah. that stuff's fun I, I always like seeing oh, okay well how are they going to rhyme how, how are they going to do it and <laughs> they, they, they actually fracture it a little bit in this one they're trying to cheat in a couple of places where they really fracture the, the sentence break and I'm not entirely sure it counts yeah but, and I did like the I I was I really liked the scene where they're all out at dinner basically you know because it was like it was like the start of Trinity and it was you know just the three of them talking about you know why they do this you know they gotta have the human connection as they say that stuff was really nice everything to do with the uh, you know anything that wasn't that just all the Pandora Pit stuff all the villain Trinity stuff ah oh, just I'm sick of it. I mean, I didn't hate it. I just wasn't that interested in it either. It was kind of just... Well, I thought it was pretty rough in the, the that issue 7. I wasn't a big fan of it there, but I thought maybe that was just Bon. But, no, I just... It just does nothing for me. I really don't like it. I don't think it's terrible as an idea. It's just, it's just so far it's not been that interesting. A lot of the issues is basically just the Trinity, like, fighting monsters, and uh, that that's kind of it. And the art's okay. It's not, it's not amazing, but it's not... Not yeah, terrible. I'm not a fan of March. I'm really not. I I'm think not it's kind a of fan. Rough. I just don't think it's terrible. I mean, I, yeah, I, I like the one Sirens. Mm, I yeah. Sirens is art was pretty good, but here it felt different because I did thumb through the issue. But 
Yeah. 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 Some weird moments, obviously, but I. I don't think it's terrible. It's, it's terrible. No, I, I, I didn't. There are there are some moments that I like, and then there's others where I think it's really quite ugly. Mm. Yeah, because there's that whole thing where someone has to be sacrificed, like do the curse uh, to re- reunite Etrigan with their blood, and the Trinity basically say, "Oh, take us," but their united force kind of means that no one has to die, and they kind of survive, but they're willing to. They're basically, they're, yeah, yeah, we'll take out all three of the Earth's greatest heroes and put the entire Earth at risk. Uh, to solve this one thing, but that's just kind of who they are. Uh, yeah. But the Pandora Pits move. Oh, Whoa, Mike, 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 Jesus. Uh, so the Pandora Pits move, and uh, we see uh, Cersei and Razal Ghul just kind of. Oh, we need more backup and stuff, and then in walks the, the, we'll call it the misfit trinity of Red Hood, Bizarro, and Artemis. <laughs> Setting up the the plot after Manipal's current arc is going to be a Trinity of Trinities arc. Well, that's the thing; it's not because we're going to have a quadrilogy of Trinities because we're getting the Magic Trilogy Trinity as well. Oh, quite right, yeah. Which uh, is yeah, why, but can the but wait, technically can the no, trilogy? Let Lex what? left this Trinity yeah, though, so this isn't exactly. a, this isn't a Trinity anymore. So that was a swerve. So the, the yeah, villain but... trilogy looks like it's going to be Artemis Bizarro and and your best boy. Well, Red Hood. yeah, but. Cersei is narrating and says a trinity of trinities. So she's right. still referring to them as a trinity. She's she not is. referring to the magic one. Aye, she is, but she's not doing the solicits and writing the books. Well, no, but in the dialogue here, she says a trinity of trinities. She is referring I... to herself as but their, then they have their to find someone to fill in for Lexton because I think to be fair, obviously, Matt, you didn't read the issue. There's a no. there's a lot of talk of. Oh, fate and destiny, and they're all intertwined, and she's kind of basically going, "Ah, oh, Lex will be back." Yeah, well, I wasn't. Like, we're, I, we're all stuck together. I wasn't feeling all that stuff. The talk about fate yeah. and thing was just kind of making my my eyes glaze over a little bit. Exactly. So just, you know, they're, they're still going to be a trinity. They still count. When when it comes down to villains, though, I don't know much about Cersei, or yeah, Cersei. I know a lot about Roz and Lex, and I don't see Roz and Lex being on the same page for anything. Do you know, you just know? just once I would like Connor to dislike something and just be kind of pleasant about how he dislikes it. There's, there's, Connor has two settings when he doesn't like something. It's either outright hatred or, oh, I didn't care. Oh, I didn't care. I love Red Hood. Oh, I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just the, these things, it gets on my nerves. It's not that, I mean, I can be pleasant about the, the you know, Marsh's art. It's like, I, I didn't, I disliked it, but, you know, I'm not mad about it. But this... This stuff annoys me where it's like, yeah, just... Do you know what I love? I don't, I don't think I really want to read this once it, it goes to this stuff in Trinity either. Um, and honestly, outside of the art, Trinity's not been amazing either anyway, so it's kind of like, eh, you know, depending on how I feel. Yeah, that first, that first, first issue was, was good. Fantastic. I, I, I love the whole first arc. I didn't love the whole first arc. I, th- I thought the whole yeah. uh, Mercy stuff was just kind of... It was fine, but not great. Yeah, but um, you're wrong, so... <laughs> But, you know, like, I'm not really feeling where this is going either, so I'm kind of... like It's not terrible, it's just kind of like, yeah, it's just fine, it's just existing. It's, it's unoffensive, but there it is. Uh, I don't know, Red Hood seeping into other books is very offensive. <laughs> well, see, that's the good thing, Connor, is you still get your fix. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> because someone on Patreon has been delightful enough to submit to the Connor's Corner and selected you to continue Red Hood where you left off, so that's coming... Yeah, best thing ever, best news ever. He's so excited, everybody. Oh, yeah, look so at excited. Look at that little ginger face with the beady little eyes. They're lighting up with excitement. 
So that's Trinity. Trinity was kind of uh, just a sort of typical mediocre superhero comic. It's basically had some up. Yeah, basically, Matt, you didn't miss anything. Yeah. That's, that's, no, it's good. That and again, I did thumb through and I saw the gigantic Etrigan. I was like, huh, maybe I'll read this when I'm done. But then hearing you guys say how... Yeah, I had a few, I had a few little ideas that were kind of, oh, that's kind of fun or whatever, but it was mostly just kind of forgettable, if I'm honest. Yeah. So, no, well, there you go, that's, that's Trinity. Uh, which is actually the end of this week's books. Uh, shall we do our end of week picks and stuff before we go into Judas Contracts yeah. or wrap yeah, up the week, it. as it, as it is? Um, Alright, so... I, I guess that... Oh, I suppose before we do ours, I'll tell you the, uh, the patrons' picks for last week. No, there you go. Uh, we'll do that because uh, obviously on Patreon, if you just submit one dollar, you get uh, access to weekly polls, which basically is like you get to pick your best book of the week and your best art of the week and so on. Um, and yeah, so we we have we have winners um, and stuff. So the winner of best book of the week, if I can read that color, I'm not sure if I can. See, I've got a funny color thing on because uh, it's too bright. If I don't, I'm going to have to. Uh, there we go. Uh, the winner of uh, last week's uh, vote was uh, Wonder Woman number 23 that one best book of the week which is what we picked as well yeah. um, although Connor never got around I haven't read all of them uh, he's not read it yet okay fair enough I've, I've read Wonder Woman I haven't read most of the other ones but I assume you liked I, it I did I made a point of reading Wonder Woman first because it's like okay with the annual I might have to have read it that turns is, out I didn't but that's fair uh, Best Star also went to Wonder Woman uh, which I don't think did we pick Wonder Woman? I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah, we can never remember when we get to get to the new week of what we picked last week. Uh, and then best cover went to Batgirl from uh, the patrons. I'd probably agree with that one. Yeah, sure, I can't remember what I picked either. Well, yeah, I, I, I can, I can, I can judge that one. I've seen all the covers. <laughs> well, that that was one that was in my contention. I had a few picks that I was going to pick, although nothing like stood out as amazing to me. Where I was like, I have to pick that. It was kind of a weird week in that sense. Um. But yeah, so no, so that that was the picks from last week. Uh, so what are we picking this week, though? Best panel of the week. What was the panel? Easy for me. I'm going to go with a double page spread from the Flash with uh, Green Lantern and the Flash yeah. both uh, in costume. It was either going to be that or the last page, but I went with that. Yeah, that's yeah, my pick. That's fair. Connor, uh, I think I'm going to go with from the Wonder Woman annual. I'm gonna go from the the Stephanie Hand story. Yeah, I'll go with the panel where, you know, when she's fighting the the demon bit, and she says, uh, you know, I don't want to hurt you, but I will. And you know, it's the face of you know, determination, mm. and, but there's regret in it. I like it's how Connor fun. picked that as if he was at a buffet, and he's like, oh, what I'll have, or oh, I'll have something from the meat yeah. section. Uh, I mean, oh, I then I'll have something between picking uh, picking one from the Nicholas Scott story and picking one from the Stephanie Hand story. It was it was yeah. a tough choice. So, so mine are on the same. Yeah, I have the same problem. And as much as I want to pick the, the Nicole Scott, you know, you see all three of them together. Mm. The at the end of the the Han story, where it's just peace. You have the light coming over, and she's sitting over the right. dead body. Uh, it's, that that oh, if that was a painting, I'd be hanging here. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Like, no, it's great. No, I can't can't argue. Uh, best cover of the week. Uh, uh, yeah, Wonder Woman uh, annual. Yeah, it's pretty pretty easy pick this Wonder week. Woman. Yeah, I, I think I think Flash has a 
had that would have had a chance had it not been a Nicholas Scott cover. But otherwise, yeah, yeah, it was it was a, a Nicholas Scott cover with the Trinity on. Yeah, was, no, wasn't yeah. a whole lot to uh, pick there. Uh, all right, so that gets it from all of us. Uh, best art of the week, and I guess we'll count these stories in the Wonder Woman Annual as separate entities for the sake of this. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to call Scott for, and then there were three. He was just dreaming over. Apparently, these these on there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, go with Nicholas Scott. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Stephanie Hands. Mm. It is between those two. I think I'm going to go with yeah. Nicholas Scott overall. I, I love the hand stuff. I just think Wonder Woman yep, herself, me too. with the hair and the colour, was a little bit just a little bit weird, I guess. Uh, uh, but the actual action, the like the environments and all that, the colours were all great otherwise, though. Yeah, I, I can't argue with Scott, because obviously it's clearly between those yeah. two. It's just basically... Toss a coin and whichever one. Yeah, you want you want to fight us because you love arguing, but no, you can't you can't do it. Yeah, you can't justify it. Uh, all right, so top four of the week because we have four books. You know what? I'm going to say top three. We can Jason. Jonathan, <laughs> I I only Matt want, still only has three. I really yes. I really only want to give it to two. I feel like two of them yeah. don't belong on a top five, which yeah, is well, really nice. One of them, Manuel and Flash. Like that's. Uh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I could do a top five if I count the the one woman annual stories <laughs> as their things. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you could do that. You know. Um. But yeah, it's a really weird I week mean, because, like, the thing is, okay, if you count the annual as a whole, like. Th- is it fair to compare that and Flash together when Flash is like a regular issue of the main book? And then at yeah. that point, it's like, well, do we really count this because having like a, a you know, a a, a a uniform pick, a unanimous pick, because really it seems it's, unfair. Doesn't it does it? seem unfair because yep. there was no competition almost. It's just between two books. I mean, so, first off, do we have a unanimous pick between those two books? Because that might not be a concern. It, it may not be, but if if it is, I feel like it's it's less fair. It, it'd, be, it'd be like saying there the the universe rebirth one shot was the unanimous pick. Like, of course it was. There was yeah. no other books that week. <laughs> So just so, pick your favourite. What's your, what's your favourite story of the week? Uh, and you can separate the annual stories up if you want yeah. for Wonder Woman. Yeah. Are you picking Flash? Are you picking the the Hans story? Or are you picking the, the Ruckus Scott story? Basically, is that kind of what I'm asking you? Yeah. Well, I'll go with the Ruckus Scott story just to keep things in line. So I tend to tend to pick that one over. But it does. That's it, fair. It, it was a nice read. It It felt good to read that. It made me feel warm inside. Yes. I'd probably go with that as well. I think I'd have the Flash and then that the hand story. Yeah, I, I think I'm so, going to pick the Flash yeah. as my pick mainly because yeah. uh, because it is teasing like a future thing, like everything it sets up oh, yeah. uh, and everything it is doing for like the, the the ongoing story as a whole. I, th- I think I appreciate just a little bit more that as much as I loved the 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 Rock of Scott like meeting, it, it was very much like a little short of its own thing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll go with Flash, but it, I mean, uh, I assume you had Teen Titans below Trinity. Um, I guess it's kind of weird because I feel like Trinity is more of a forgetful thing, and Teen Titans is not very good. But uh, at least like what Teen Titans annual sets up for other things. Yeah, Teen Titans fails because of a. It's so so much of it is just it's forced to do that as an issue because it wasn't anywhere else in a story. Hmm. 
So I don't know how much of it I'd blame on that issue versus the story as a whole for structuring it that way. Which is why I'm not going to even attempt to rank them. It's just... So week five, special circumstances, it's just not enough books to do a top five, so... That's what that's, that's where I'm landing on that. All right, so that's the the weekly picks, which leads us on to our week five bonus, which of course, as we mentioned at the start, is was a Patreon vote, and the five dollar tier you get to vote on which trade or story arc we're going to cover in a week five. Uh, of course, the winner was Teen Titans: The Judas Contract, which is the famous Teen Titans story. Uh, so four issues, issue forty two to forty four of uh, Tales of the Teen Titans plus the annual number three. Yes, if I recall All the numbers right. correctly. Man, look at me go. Look at me go! I'm excited about that. Uh, so yeah, guys, don't be that impressed. He has it open in front of him. I do not. No, Bl- he doesn't. Blank <laughs> blank screen. So suck oh. it, suck it hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> guys, he can't show us the computer screen. Just keep that in mind. I'll pick up the camera. I will turn it around and I will show you what I'm looking at. I really will say this because I'm getting reaction out of Connor. Otherwise, I would keep going. Oh, oh right. Connor too. Obviously, Marv Wolfman and George Perez uh, at the helm of this, and uh, as of course it's a very old school comic. It's from the eighties, which means that it, it, it is a longer read. It's a tougher read. It's a, there's a lot more speech bubbles, a lot more narration that feels kind of redundant. A lot of Deathstroke yelling blast. Uh, there's there's <laughs> yeah. also a lot, there's also a lot of Deathstroke saying uh, calling uh, Dick Grayson kid, which was ke- every time I heard it, I thought of uh, the voice from the show because he kept because call- yeah. he calls Oliver kid all the time in that. Yeah. Would you think that's on purpose now? Knowing uh, what we know, yeah, probably. I feel like yeah. it, I feel like that's a callback to this. Uh, but I do think they they definitely overdid it. <laughs> yeah, they overdid it. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, uh, I, I overdid it, something? You kidding me? In the the last episode that he appeared in, uh, it was gonna be uh i considered adding every time he said kid i would take a drink and i was like nah that's gonna kill me and, and it would have killed me. yeah it, it ended up saying it like eight liver. times yeah uh. oh right so this is the famous story uh now obviously we're gonna have spoilers for the, for the story uh if you if you're oh. trying to avoid them um but basically this is the story of uh terra aka tara uh, who is a sort of geomancing villain, aka she can manipulate earth and rock and cause earthquakes and control that kind of stuff. And she, as a plant, she she has went to Deathstroke to help him. He's taken over the contract that Hive had on the Teen Titans, where which Grant had his son, the Ravager. Yeah. But once Ravager died, he took over the contract. So he's working with Terra, who has infiltrated the Teen Titans and is helping him uh, overcome them all. Basically by learning all their secret identities, where they all live, what their weaknesses might be. And he strikes and kidnaps them all, except Dick, who manages to get out. He manages to escape the, the, yeah. the thing. And he ends up teaming up with Jericho, who is Slade's other son, uh, to go and rescue them in the final issue. Uh, the third issue is actually all of uh, his wife... Uh, Adeline basically telling the backstory of how he became Deathstroke. It's like the whole backstory issue. Um, and that's kind of how it is. So issue, issue one is kind of setting up uh, Terra's place in the team. Uh, yeah. It's kind of the most laid back issue because it's like, oh, this is where everyone is. Uh, you know, uh, Donna's getting married and like it's just kind of like where we are now. Issue two is the strike on Dick and then him finding out that everyone else has already been taken. Issue three is the the flashback. This is how Deathstroke became Deathstroke, and then issue four is the final, the big, the big annual issue is the big conflict at the uh, the Hive base. So no, I think uh, it's interesting you said there that the first issue sets up Tara's place in the team because obviously this is 
so far into a story already. Oh, sure. Uh, what, what I, I meant know, was... That's, I, mean, I think it's actually interesting how yeah. it does function as if you want to read just yeah. the story, you get the whole context. Yet, for, for, from if our you've been reading it longer, like the whole yeah. thing, it, it's it, she, it just it's just driving it home. It's she, just a reminder. Yeah, she's been there for a while, actually, in the book. Yeah, I, I actually do plan to go back and read the entire run of like the, the Wolfman Perez Teen Titans at some point. Uh, but on its own, it functions well enough because you, the first issue really sets the stage for where everything is right now. I also realize just as the, the the title in in the first issue where it says yeah you know, tales of the Teen Titans and it says the Judas Contract a four part novel yeah it's a really interesting way of describing yeah. it I th- honestly I think that's just because it's bef- before the time we had trade paperbacks and graphic novels and I feel yeah, like this is just a, a phrasing that yeah yeah it was more the word that they use novel to mm. describe it not four part yeah. story a four part yeah. novel so it was an interesting phrasing. Uh, again, I think it's a time thing. I think it's just maybe the, the yeah. era that was maybe how they thought of it. Welcome to the eighties. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. Well here's be. the thing. So I mentioned earlier, being familiar with the story, I had always thought it was meant to be this big surprise that Tara turns on them. But reading the first issue here, when you see her palling around with Deathstroke, and she's suddenly not this cute and an innocent girl, you know. Uh, I felt it was supposed to be this big, huge shock. I think so, I think it is if you've been reading the rest of the run, because I think this is maybe the no. reveal of it. No, because I went and I read, because me being a completionist, I needed to know everything going in. <laughs> and they had seeded this throughout for like a year. Well, that's good. And this was just the reveal to the Teen Titans. But the readers mm. knew the oh, whole okay. time. But I had always taken it as not even the readers knew. Like when she is seen with Deathstroke here for the first time, that was supposed to be the oh man moment. Yeah, that's what like, I was thinking. Right? That's how I read it in yeah. this. Yeah, actually, I thought it was interesting how like I, I like how in the first issue it keeps having it keeps cutting to these panels of uh, as if they're what someone's Headshots. watching. It's like you know, it's like yeah. TV screens. It's 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 the uh, the photos because obviously we have the, the mm. stuff with Donna taking the pictures, and that's what. Uh, those are like it's like how it plays force. in. It's like it's, yeah. it's the snapshots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also, that really builds the momentum. As we learn in the fourth issue too, that's from her. She has a contact lens camera, and that's how she's been taking all the pictures. Mm. Yeah. So it's it's what she's seeing at that moment. But yeah, outside of just being difficult to read, just because I'm not used to all the thought bubbles. And oh yeah, the, it's old school. It takes like twice as long to read an issue of this compared to a new issue. Yeah, the story though is still. As, it's Good solid. Is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And everything's set up um, really well. Um, even Dick at his place, he's retired from being Robin. He doesn't know quite what he is yeah. yet. And it's not he's until in he has Yeah, it's not until yeah. he has to step up and like he's agreeing to go yeah. with Jericho to go and save the Titans that he's like, oh, I need something. And I, I like that even in that little moment where he's like, okay, I need a new identity. Like, I need something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I broke away from being Robin because that was like connected to Batman, but Batman's part of my legacy. But so is Superman because I grew up admiring him and that's obviously where Nightwing comes from. And like, obviously, my parents, the Flying Graysons, and that's why he wears that outfit. And don't get me wrong, I hate You might be think that, that Peter is, is summarizing, but no. This is that's, actually that's, from that's all like three page. panels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is which is why it's like such a hard read for, for if you're used to more yeah. comics, because they pack so much into every panel. It takes yeah. so long to read. Uh it, so it's a, it's a it bit just, of a chore in that sense, but I do think it holds up really well from a story perspective. Oh yeah, yeah because the the plot turns and twists and from an early time, you get that Beast Boy who's going by Changeling, but it'll always be Beast Boy to me. Oh yeah, to me. Uh, as well. 
he's you could tell that he really likes Tara. And of course he's being his annoying self. And I also gotta give Ben Percy credit too, because the whole sex jokes that are sometimes problematic in, in Teen Titans. That's a Beast Boy go-to. Yeah, from, I'll be know. honest. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised because obviously the dialogue's a little bit more old school and yeah. feels a little bit silly at times. Huh. Beast Boy legitimately made me laugh like two or three times in the first issue. Well, yeah. well that's because innuendos are timeless. <laughs> they are. Exactly. They really are. So, uh, those old standbys, but the emotion that he has by the end where he's like, oh no, Destro got to her. I'm going to get through her. Yeah, I can't and believe she's it. still trying to kill him. Yeah. In... Oh man! And then when he finds her body at the end of the rubble, that that was one of the things actually that uh, was different for the movie to me is uh, like the yeah. new animated movie is just how like she's even clearly more evil in this. Like she just wants yeah. them dead. Like even after Deathstroke doesn't want to do it anymore, like she's like, no, like, watch them all die. <laughs> like it's pro- yeah. like because I think in the, the animated movie it felt more like she was being strung along by Deathstroke and then he betrays her. Right. Whereas in this. He has a reason to sort of change because he sees Joseph's there, he sees Jericho's there, and that right. makes him like, no, 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 we have to abandon. Like, no, I, yeah, give him my son. This wasn't part of the plan. Yeah, um, that, and he's he's pretty pissed about his payment. Oh yeah, because it turns out, oh no, well, his powers were the payment. <laughs> also, Hive that that acronym. I didn't know that's what the acronym was. Not that I. Was just I I pulled it up to read, but it's the hierarchy of international vengeance and extermination. Such a and glorious acronym. Th- yeah, right? This is actually something they would never use in a modern comic. They actually call themselves yeah. terrorists. They say, they say oh, yeah. over the last, over the, the, we've been alive for five years, and over the first couple of years we did this, and then we we became like a proper world platform terrorist. I'm like, oh, that's a really weird thing to read in a comic. I feel like, yeah. I feel like yeah. you'd never read that now. Well, but it's kind of like in Die Hard that they at first called themselves terrorists, and it turns out now they're just thieves yeah. masquerading as terrorists. So. The 80s. What a weird time. Do you know what I loved about uh, Jericho's power, actually? Because to set up uh, Jericho's powers that he can, can take control of other people, but he needs to make eye contact to do it. I love the oh. build to him like getting like catching like eye lines like, in the last issue, especially with yeah. Slade. Like, there's, there's that moment where he's like, oh, God, I just made his eye contact. And at yeah. that point, he's got control of Slade, and it's like, oh, shit, that's it. Because that's it. they're yeah. all captured. They've captured Dick. Everyone's screwed. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jericho's tied up. He catches his eye line. That's it. It's over. Because well, because his dad wants to see him. His dad recognizes him. And, yeah. And, and um, you have that, that great moment where Deathstroke's like, I know what's happening, but I'm not going to resist. I'm going to let him do this. Yeah. Because yeah. it kind of gives him an out. He can go, hey, I had no control over this. Uh, it yeah. keeps his, his bond intact. Mm-hmm. But he can still save his kid. Yeah. yeah. So the first time I was introduced to Jericho was in John's Titans. Uh, through that first storyline when when they went from young justice and the titans to teen titans um so to see him take over his dad and see how that plays out there again just shows john's him you know paying homage as much as possible to this era of comics mm. uh, it, so much so that i was surprised that this was part of the story because i had never realized jericho was so integral to this i thought this was just mm. tara and the Teen Titans, Jericho's kind of there, but not really. It's kind of because he doesn't really show up until, I mean, he doesn't do anything until the final issue, really. Yeah. yeah. But he's, he is such a big part of it, and he is kind of the key thing that makes Deathstroke sort of like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. no, something has to change here. Like, this is an yeah. important part of the plan. Um, and then the, all the action in the final issue, there's that great splash page when the Titans finally get free, and it's like Titans together, and like they're all charging. Because like, they've all been like held captive since issue two, but I've not seen them in action the whole time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we see some training stuff in the first issue, which. And obviously, there's that whole thing throughout the whole book where 
Raven can sense that something's not quite right with Terra, and Terra yeah. doesn't like her very much because of it, and we finally get her like going head to head in the final issue. Like it properly builds up some conflicts, and it feels like fulfilling when it gets to that final act. Like to compare it to the Lazarus contract, everything's seeded, the groundwork is built up the entire time, yeah, and everything it pays off. And it, it's crazy because obviously this is so much better than that but at the same time it's given me a an extra level of respect for priest's death stroke in general because it is yep. such a family drama and seeing this here where it is essentially like the back half of this is a is death stroke family well, drama yeah you're, you're, when the first time we get to see adeline kane she is trying to mess up Deathstroke as much as possible and reading priest Deathstroke, that is her sole job is to mess up Deathstroke <laughs> exactly. as much yeah. as possible. I feel like I have a better so, understanding of just the history of Deathstroke now because of this mm-hmm. this arc. Yeah. Just yeah. reading it and see, seeing where they first explained, oh, this is these kids and this is what happened, and yeah. uh, just like I feel like I have a better understanding of the whole thing now. Is, but... Like we we always used to poke fun at Deathstroke because of of Arrow and because of the whole Deadpool Deathstroke Shadow. Yeah, but. He really is a great character. Like between Priest and here, he's been a better character than he's not been. You know, like yeah. He, yeah. he's not nearly as overused as Deadpool is. I thought, uh, yeah, it's when they just play him as a straight up mercenary, give him a job to do, it's yeah. not interesting. But when you play the the family drama and you get to Although, Slade instead of Deathstroke, that's when it's I, I do oh, like when he's used as the distraction in Identity Crisis. But they like pick that. up on that quick because. He is the one that could engage the Justice League just long enough, you know, yeah. to, to distract him. But yeah, you're right. When he is just the mercenary showing up to do a job, like I read. Did you guys ever read Team Seven from New Fifty Two? I did. Yeah. They, mm, yeah he's just yeah. So he's part of a team with all these other military characters. Like Grifter from Wildcats is on there with him, yeah. and he's not interesting at all. Here, where you get his entire story, he lied to get into the the army early and then he was such a great soldier he's almost like inverted captain america to where he didn't have anything to prove he was just like yeah i'm the best of course i'm gonna volunteer for a yeah uh, it, it it really does feel like if you just think of deathstroke then you get a boring story but when you start yeah. using slade uh, yeah. you, you can do great things with the character yeah i guess more yeah. interesting also, I really love that, uh, like, in, in issue two, after Dick, like, narrowly escapes with his life, when, when Deathstroke mm-hmm. shows up, um, I do like the sequence of him going to all the other locations and, like, sort of piecing together with detective skills, yeah. like, where they all went, how did this happen, you know, uh, yeah. Starfire got tricked with the present, and so on, and uh, Donna got tricked with the, the chemicals in the, the red, you know, the dark room, yeah. and, yeah. like, all that stuff, because in the animated movie, that all plays out like a montage, where it all happens kind of at once. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I also really like that in, in the sense, obviously, when we get to the, the bit where he becomes Nightwing mm. and we get how, you know, he talks about how he, he is a product of Batman and this kind of, that stuff shows that. Yeah. I know this is why he is, he's a detective at heart. Mm-hmm. That's because of Batman. This is who he is now. And he can't just forget that even if he isn't Robin anymore. Yeah. I also really like that when, when, when he's in the middle of the, the, all the fighting and stuff in the last issue, uh, like Starfire looks up and goes, uh, hey, um, he's like, call me Nightwing. <laughs> Because <laughs> no one knows what to call him because none of them have heard the name yet. Yeah. yeah that's really, yeah. really good stuff. Well, they call him Grayson through the majority of it. And even at one point, they're like, wait, he just gave away his, we just gave away his identity to Hive. Like, I thought that was a fun little. Hmm. Yeah. Because again, I, I think everyone's no so, like, just because obviously they know that uh, Slade knows and it's kind hmm. of this open secret. It's like, it doesn't matter right now. 
Yeah. Right. There's also genuine sadness at the end because Beast Boy's like you know upset of uh, Terra's dead because she's under the rubble, and mm-hmm. they they have the whole thing where they have the funeral and then like her half brother Geomancer is like. Uh, and they, they they don't let them all know that she was evil and that she turned to the dark side and she did all this stuff. They let them think that she went out a hero, that she went out just to, you know, cause a bit of less pain. And we, the, the final moment mm-hmm. of the, the book, of course, is uh, Beast Boy uh, looking at the grave. Uh, the, the big sort of t- crypt. Yeah. Not crypt, but, you know, big giant gravestone. She gets a big proper hero statue of a, of a thing yeah. uh, and all that. Uh, by the way, I love that their table in the Titan's Tower is shit like a tea. Why wouldn't it be? I just yeah. I love it. It's just something I was I was noticing. You know, Joe, it is amusing. We've gone through all this and we haven't mentioned Cyborg once. I know we joked at the start of how he's just Here's the thing. not in it. But... Right, so Johns has had this mission since he took over the Teen Titans to make Cyborg matter. Yeah. And I fully get it now. Because even his origin here, he kind of is just like a pop culture referencing Cyberjock. Yeah, yeah like, he, he was like, I want to do something with this blank slate. Yeah, and that's so what he is here. And he, I wish like, I enjoyed the character more. Still, like and, 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 honestly, though, like I kind of like him more here than I have done when they've tried to like force certain elements. Because they've tried to make him more, and all they've really kind of done is accidentally made him into a telephone post, mm-hmm. right? Whereas here, at least, he, he felt like he was part of a team, and maybe other stories from back then did give him a bit more to do. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But just this wasn't his story. And, yeah, this wasn't. Well, that. I liked when he was ice skating with the kids. Yeah, that was not fun. Good at it. Is that you idea? Know? That, that idea that he tries to help his community because like they're making fun of yeah. his like his uh, his neighborhood. He's like, oh, do you, you live here? Mm-hmm. This is like you know, well, I can't remember what they said, but the it's kind of like teenage Luke Cage almost. Yeah, right here. it is because he, he talks about how yeah. you know like all these people used to live here and it was this community and then and then they left, but maybe we should come back and make it a proper community. Seeing again. him trying yeah. to like help his local community and like play with the kids and stuff, like I actually kind of like that stuff. Maybe they should focus more on that in the the newer iterations, and maybe that would. Give him a bit more of a, a heart kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, it's sad to go. Maybe they should make him more like Luke Cage. But yeah, if that's what you got to do to make it work, at least to, as a starting point. Yeah, I just, I feel like they get so into his tech, and I feel like Wolfman and Perez didn't care so much about his tech. Like, oh, if we need him to, you know, detach his arms and use him for other things, cool. But first and foremost, it is about his neighborhood, John, and he. Here's the thing, though. He's about more the tech. human. Is honestly the idea of exploring like a proper cyborg science fiction story sounds really yeah. interesting to me. The problem is, is every time they've seemed to try to do it, it all just comes off as really kind of phony and half-assed. It, yeah. Here's what it is: they keep going. We need to tell these stories about proving he's his, proving his humanity, humanity. but yeah. it would be so much easier just to show us these human stories of things like mm-hmm. you know, so in our neighborhood, going with with the yeah. you know talking to the kids. That well, is proving his humanity in, more than you do by having this I mean, whole story about it. I am sure it. this has been done before. I'm positive it must have been. But surely the, a great story to tell with Cyborg, and one to do today would be to, okay, have him be really human, do all this stuff in the community and stuff, and then have a virus get in, right? And have him actually have to fight off the virus. Like, the virus is trying to make him evil, but he's, like, fighting back. Like, have the human side beat the computer side, and that's how he beats the the, the malware or whatever. I'm, I would almost Didn't have actually catch... Yeah, that was the whole Forever Evil. Yeah, but yeah. they never really went into it. Though. I never felt like it was explored properly. Like I'm thinking of like a just, cyborg-centric story as opposed to just like yeah. part of the just, Injustice thing. I'm just looking at it like, John's moves him to Detroit. That's the perfect place because he can rebuild there as the city's being rebuilt. 
Like, it's all yeah, perfect. It makes sense. Even if you want to do a virus, have it attack his human side. Have it be a legit, like, human virus, and the computer goes into, like, powers, not power saving, but, like... Yeah, the idea oh, that... His... It needs to take over so he can fight the virus. You know? Yeah, the idea that maybe there isn't enough of his human biology left to fight the virus. Right. So exactly. the computer has to step up and solve something. Right. That could be interesting. As, as a what plot concept, sure. But as, as a character arc, I don't know. Like, this is the problem. Well, like, I just... feel like so far, like we keep suggesting but things. Again, but again, they focus so much on the tech in here that's never once addressed. Like, you know, except when he, when he fights Deathstroke, you know, and Deathstroke's like, your problem is you have all the strength and all these threats, but you're not going to follow through, and that makes him weak. That's it. He, he has that moment where he's, you know, pushing his limits, and he, yeah. he talks about how, you know, he, he wants to prove he's more than just machinery because he, yeah. he has limits that he can break like a human and not just, oh, this is a hard limit like a machine. Yeah. That small moment there is more than yeah. most of the other actual cyborg stories that we yeah. typically read. No, I, I I agree. I think I think the other problem is is that they forced him into this role in the Justice League. They tried to put him in with the a, the a players, if you will, and yeah. he's not earned it in story. Like writers have not earned the right to put him with the rest of the Justice League. They just haven't. Yeah, except no. to be the telephone pole. Except to be the telephone saying, pole. Like, yeah, they need a boom tube in and out real quick. Yes, I believe should dude. That, and that might be the biggest problem Johns has done with him by making him so integral to his first Justice League story with the apocalypse tech. Hmm. Like yeah, it's it's really kind of just shoehorned him into that role now yeah. because it, because it was oh, this is the big Justice League thing. People are stuck with that now. They can't they can't reimagine a different version of him to go with something else. <laughs> Imagine if it was Trigon attacking and not Darkseid, and we get Raven in that upper section, and she just has the same role. I wonder if people get more upset. You'd be infuriated because it's like no, this this should be her story. She should be having a role in this. Well, and, that's what I'm saying, but yeah. why don't people seem to care about Cyborg as much, you know, I think if he's been, just reduced on, to, to the teleporter? Honestly, I think there's just something, the, the core of the creation of Cyborg is just kind of a, a really generic idea. Uh, if, yeah, I think it's kind of a like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. The, the reason that we don't care that, you know, he's just the telephone pole is because he doesn't have these great stories. But no one's writing these great stories because everyone just thinks of him as, ah, he's just the telephone pole. Right. So it's really hard to, to break this. I mean, the only way it's going to happen is if someone comes in and goes, no, I'm going to do something different, like drastically different, and that's going to be make you care about him as a character, and then you won't accept it's, him. It's funny, actually. We talked thing. about Priest talking about the, uh, like, you know, we need to do new things with characters, you know, what now kind yeah. of thing. I'm like, Cyborg is the one we need more than anything. Someone needs to come in and say, no, let's completely shake up what the character yeah. is. Let's yeah, do definitely. something completely different with him. Yeah. Um, I agree there. Uh, almost what if Priest had added him, along with Wally, young Wally, to, mm. to his team. Like, that. I think that could be cool. Is almost like Cyborg's like, yeah, I'm going to be the Justice League's check and balance to make sure you're following through on being a good guy. You know? Yeah. He, I, he's, I don't know, he's a dark side or something. It's, it's kind of... It just needs it's something. It's something. Yeah. Like, that's it, isn't it? Not dark side, a dark side. Uh, I suppose like, it. A, a I know, but for people <laughs> that might be misconstrued, it like, sounds yeah. like he needs dark side. No. Not dark side of apocalypse, a dark yes. space... Side. There you go. 
But yeah, I just I, I feel like he is. It's like everything that Priest said about Nightwing is kind of how we all feel about Cyborg. But it is. It is. And yeah. it just and it cracks me up because we all had we all had Dick Grayson in our top three. Yeah, we all loved you know that. And we all love him. And so when I read that, I was just like, well, he clearly doesn't know what he's talking about. Love Actually, Priest, I'm, going but... to, I'm going to offer a bit of analysis here and why I think that we, because I think we and then a lot of DC fans love a lot of legacy characters. We like Dick Grayson, mm-hmm. we like Donna Troy, we like. Uh, someone that Matt made up that we don't talk about um, but we like a oh, lot bitch. of these legacy characters and I think part of the reason for it is because there's something about because these characters admire the biggies they admire Batman, Superman, <laughs> Wonder Woman Flash, Green Light they admire Barry and Hal and they try and live up to that and in a weird way for us as readers as fans of these characters we can relate to that because we want to try and live up to them so that there is almost this weird thing and i know yeah. people have often said oh the injury robin so that kids had someone to relate to but even in like a more broad scale and a more kind of fulfillment level there's this weird thing where we kind of want to live up to these characters but we feel that we, we can't quite succeed so seeing these characters try and be something and be a part of their legacy without actually being them themselves um, yep. Even though that's really exhilarating when they do have to step up and be, you know, Dick has to be Batman for a while or whatever, Wally has to be Flash. It feels like, no, no, we grew with that character. They, they, they weren't just them from the start that all these big characters were. They had to earn it, they had to become it, and we yeah. appreciate that. They did. Well, and then- the, the only reason that they did that is because someone went, we've got to do something different with him. He mm-hmm. can't just be Robin forever. So someone had to go, mm-hmm. nah, let's do something. Well, else. in the grand scheme yeah. of things, too, they were. They were getting their butts kicked by X-Men. So this is also during the Claremont yeah. X-Men era, and they needed to do something Which, by the with way, a young now, team. Now that you've mentioned X-Men, yeah. there was a mutant line in there that I thought was, was rather interesting. Yeah. There was, yeah, right at the end. Yeah, it was... Well, uh, that, didn't Wolfman and Perez work on both at one point? Because I know they did some crossovers in the 80s. You had Teen Titans, yeah. X-Men crossover. But I couldn't tell you I feel like that was a nice little shout-out, uh, yeah. which you used to get back in the day. But... Um, but yeah, they needed something to combat that, and that's, I think, where the Teen Titans even came from with the updated, you added Raven, you added Cyborg, and you added Beast Boy mm-hmm. uh, with with the originals in there with Dick and Donna. So, I, to I make just, this cool new team. And Corey. Let's say, on the, the story and things that you know are different from now and then, I miss Beast Boy's mansion. <laughs> Yeah, that's so cool. Like, like I well, he was a, uh, by the people way, forget that he was a kid TV star or a movie star. Yeah, like, we, we didn't mention this, but and all the ways that they get taken down, I love Beast Boys. Like, basically, yeah. they send a fake letter saying all these all these fan girls want autograph photos. So he, he he gets out a big stack of photos and starts signing them all, and it's licking the envelope glue that says, and that's laced with something to knock him out, and that's how he gets put this down. Brilliant. That's why I, I don't it. like envelope glue. I tape it. Just get the ones that you know, the ones that have the adhesive. Catch me. The the ones that have the adhesive there that you just pull off the the piece of paper. What if Deathstroke had made that that lady that was dressed as the maid, who clearly wasn't a maid because she has I should have followed my mom's advice and been an exotic dancer. That was a really weird line. Like yeah. yeah. (laughs) What if he made her do it? Like there there goes Deathstroke and Terra's plan completely. Yeah, you know, mm. but no, it was and it was an enjoyable read. Getting past, I had told Pete earlier in the week, man, I'm having trouble getting through this. But once I got to the Slade issue, well, even before that, halfway through the Dick Grayson issue where he's piecing it together, it was smooth sailing from there. Honestly, I think but, part of the part of the trick of reading these old comics is you get kind of good at knowing what sort of narration boxes you can just ignore because they're kind of redundant. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. You just kind of skim over them. Yeah, because some of them will just tell you what's happening in the art, and it's like they didn't. And obviously, this is something that's changed. Is the art's gotten a lot more advanced and you know uh, intricate, yeah. and they trust the artist to tell some of the story. They don't have to tell you everything. Uh, yeah, but if you notice, uh, Wolfman and Perez get the the dual co-creator mm. here, yeah. just like that we see more recently. So I, I think that's cool. They're, I, they're I, both. I do also think it's that first issue is a little bit harder because, like you say, it's kind of just a, a reintroduction of no, this is the status yeah. quo at the minute. For, yeah. if, for anyone else, it's a reintroduction to us. It's oh, here's what you need to know. But mm-hmm. that kind of feels like okay, we're just kind of waiting for the story to get started. Whereas once you get yeah. to that, that stuff where Dick Grayson's doing the investigating, that's kind yeah. of where the story really starts. And all and yeah, I would even put the last half of the the last issue up with most of the modern comics. When, when she just snaps finally and yeah. she decides she's going to just murder everybody and they said her eyes glaze over and, yeah. and it's actually and this is all, thing, is all the they, emotion is they really set up how powerful she is that if she was nuts that everyone's kind of screwed because okay. she is just like bringing earth and stuff everywhere yeah. the rocks are just yeah. going everywhere and uh, and, killing and people. I forget who mentions it I think it might be I want to say it's it's Dick's narration but he's like you know, with her powers, she could have saved the world, literally. She could have changed, you know, tundra and and desert and made it livable. But instead, she let her hate corrupt her, and this is what it happened. Yeah, it was like, you you, you don't realize just how popular she is. She's, you know, throwing rock around, whatever. But then it's, yeah. you know, when she turns like she brings the quicksand up, so they all start sinking yeah. into the ground yeah. and they can't move. Like, that's so inventive as a, a use of those powers. Well, and she covers... Dick Grayson and Beast Boy in mud to suffocate him. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, that's also one you of know. my nice little moments. I love Donna, like, squeezing Dick when he's covered in rock to break it. He's like, yeah. I have to squeeze him just right, because if I do it too much, I'll break all his bones. I just... Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and she, like, uh, cracks it. I love the hijinks yeah. as well of uh, Nightwing and uh, Jericho sneaking in, where Jericho, like, takes mm-hmm. over one of the guards, so there's, like, th- three of them walking, like... With- or there's the Jericho inside the guard and the kind of that was one of the yeah. weird things here that is different from modern Jericho is that he seems to kind of like disappear when he takes over someone yeah. it, it seems to be either or because when he takes over Dick and Slade he doesn't seem He's to disappear still... but it's when he wants to he can go into them entirely it seems yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that was something that sort of like oh I noticed that because it was different I was like oh I was sort of paying attention mm-hmm. to yeah. it but uh, now the hijinks are then like sneaking in and then like, he can talk through the guy if he's unconscious, but once he wakes up, he'll still have control, but he can't control his voice. So the guy starts screaming, I can't yeah. control myself, someone help! <laughs> That's pretty great. And then, he, and then he, and all their weird Cobra Commander costumes. Yeah. And, and then, then like, he, yeah. he transfers from him to the guy with a gun up in the balcony. He's like, he's waiting to get an yeah. eyeline, and then he gets it, and he jumps up, and he's like, wait, you know, I draw my gun! Yeah, he, he just goes, contact. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. Whenever you see that word, just pop up. It's like, oh, he's got it. I yeah. wouldn't mind a, a whole issue that's like the silent, you know, the silent GI Joe story that they they ran out of time to put the lettering and word balloons in, and it was all Snake Eyes doing ninja stuff. I would love a silent Jericho issue that's just him jumping from sightline to sightline into people, and that's how he infiltrates a building for Deathstroke. Honestly, his, cool. his controlling people power. I mean, it sounds kind of fun in a goofy way at first, but it's kind of whatever. But this idea that it has to be triggered with eyeline, 
that was what makes mm-hmm. it super interesting to me because it gives it this really fun story beat where you're waiting for him to get the eyeline. Like it has yeah. to get it. It's especially good yeah. when they've all got these big hoods on and you know yeah. you can't actually see yeah. a lot of their faces. So yeah. it's, it's you've got to actually catch it. You can't just look at someone. Yeah. What would happen if Jericho jumped into somebody? But Dead Man was also on the case, and he tried to possess them. Ooh, I do not know. That's I an want interesting to find question. out. That is, that is a story waiting to be told. Yes, it is. That's an interesting question. And <laughs> can Dead Man possess Cyborg while Jericho is inside of him? That might be. I'm just going to combine all of our ideas. That's it. Sure. Let's do, do all do of it. it. Let's do all of it. Just do it. All right. Any final thoughts on Judas Contract? I think we're all glad we read it and crossed this classic off the list. Yeah, definitely. I am. I'm I'm glad we we crossed this off. So that was a fun pick. That was a fun pick. Uh, The one with 100% of the vote. Everyone who voted and made us read that one. Yeah. Yeah. so no, uh, so this is a fun thing we're going to do every fifth week. So I think the next one's in August, and uh, the next time we get a fifth week, so there'll be a vote up. Sometimes toward the end of July, we'll probably put that up and give you a month or so, uh, give or take, to uh, vote on the next batch. Um, what those options will be, we don't know yet. We'll we'll decide that before then. Um, maybe we'll fi- think of a reason to tie it into something that's going on, kind of like we did with this one with the Lazarus contract. Although Lazarus contract was less to do with Judas contract and more to do with pre. <laughs> so dis- Pre-Judas so contract. disappointed about that. Yeah. I figured Lazarus was a person, and it was going to end up being Grant, and Grant wasn't actually dead this whole time. Yeah, I was thinking and, all these ideas. And as well. how does that mess with Deathstroke? Because that's his whole reason for being, you know. Uh, no. I know it's disappointing. It's far less Which would have been fine if the rest of the story was still really good, but obviously, as yeah. we've talked about, it wasn't. So. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, so that wraps up our talk on the Judas Contract. Uh, good, good fun, classic. Uh, worth checking out if you want your Titans and Deathstroke history, kind of, uh, and even your Dick Grayson history, all that stuff. It's uh, a good milestone and all that. It's, it's, it's actually kind of crazy, given how much we all like Dick. It's kind of crazy how that we hadn't read this. Yeah, none of us had read a this big before. moment for him. Yeah. I, think, I think it's because as a modern comic reader, you tend to never go further back than the 90s that much. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the I think it's, occasion, it's also but... we... we it's a case of just we know this moment, so we you know we don't feel the need to necessarily well, read yeah. it because we're so aware of it. I was so familiar with it, and I was so wrong with how I was familiar with it. You know, yeah, it's, it's made me want to go right. What else have I completely you know got yeah. wrong? Well, with a little bit of luck, we'll uh, discover some more of this stuff on the show and these week fives. So, thank everyone who voted, and uh, of course, check out patreoncom TV if you want to see some of the, the perks and stuff. Um, since last week, we, me and our, uh, Matt did our Archie review uh, issue twenty of that, started yeah. of a new arc. We talked about that for, on Patreon. Uh, me and Connor have got Aliens Dead Orbit issue two coming up this week, uh, and also Packless uh, issue one from Image, which is a, a new anthology uh, sci-fi series, I think. Uh, yeah, it is, and I'm insisting on getting Pete to do the 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 James Bond one shot from last week. Yeah, so we're ho- <laughs> so we're hoping to Good have luck. a couple of these bonuses uh, up by the end of the weekend, actually. So there should hopefully become some of them coming uh, very short. We have to get all the DC books out of the way first, but uh, so that that's coming. Uh, we are going to uh, do Power Rangers, the regular ongoing series, but we decided to wait until the new arc starts because it's right in the middle of an arc right now, and I feel like a really weird place to jump in and start doing reviews. So we're holding off until the new arc starts. All right, we're inserting this because we forgot to go over it because we did the best, you know, we did the picks of the week 
before we did Judas Contract, so I'll just slotting this in before the outro. Uh, what's coming next week? What you've got to look forward to in week one of June. Uh, so we have Batman number 24, we have Deathstroke number 20, Green Arrow number 24, Green Lantern's number 24, Nightwing number 22, Superman number 24. Uh, we also have Wonder Woman Steve Trevor number one, which was a weird one shot that just kind of popped up in the solicits with a little fanfare. Yeah. But we're going to check Written it out. Written by Tim Seeley though. So... Tim Seeley indeed. Uh, so we're yeah. going to check it out. Uh, also out, although I don't think uh, any of us are covering them, is Aquaman 24, Bane Conquest number 2, Cyborg number 13, Harley Quinn number 21, and Justice League number 22. Uh, Fallen Rise of Captain Atom number 6 as well. Is that... They got pushed from somewhere then? No, it's always a weak no? one. Really? So, yeah, it's always a weak one. Oh, I must have glossed over that then when I was uh, making my, just, my document. It's just you doing a half job. Yeah, it's all right. <sighs> like subscribe all that stuff uh let us know what you thought uh this week's books and the judas contract of course in the comments below on youtube or on twitter or on patreon anywhere that you can uh, leave comments uh, and that sort of stuff get us on twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates and podcast updates uh, individual twitters are on the screen but for the audio people those are at wibble 89 for myself connor ryan 94 for connor and matt of steel 57 for matt uh, but that is us. I am actually, I'll, I'll tell you this, a little behind the scenes, I am starving. I am going to go eat like no tomorrow uh, once we finish here. So thank you very much for watching and or listening. Keep reading comic books and always remember, never get lost in the Speed Force. Connor Kent does exist. A hole.